Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, January 6th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to narrow down the top movie moments of 2019. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Swy Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Guys, we're back. It's 2020. Uh, thank you all, listeners, for uh, sticking with us. Hopefully everybody had a great holiday season, holiday break. I know we're eager to get back into it, and we're kicking off this year with a big Writer's Room episode. So that means, Jacob, I'm throwing it to you, and you're going to explain what we're doing and how this is going to work. Yeah, if you listen to our previous writer Rooms this year or last year, is it just us uh, airing out how a sausage gets made for a slash film feature? so you can hear it in this case it's the 50 best movie moments of 2019 we have a list of roughly 175 moments we need to cut more than half of them to get our list which will then be ranked uh offline uh so you're going to hear us discuss a lot of movies and there'll be spoilers abound pretty much any movie released in 2019 is, is on the table this is your chance to turn back now you know feel free to keep your uh thumb on the skip button to skip through it, any movie you haven't seen but just fyi we will be spoiling everything uh from star wars to little women to parasite uh, to movies you probably have not seen or heard of. Uh, so just this is your one and only warning. Uh, can we all just like say spoilers all at once in three, two, one? Spoilers. 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 Okay. <laughs> I so, have uh, a uh, barber shop quartet. <laughs> I have a, I have a question. So yeah. uh, there are uh, multiple moments from uh, you know multiple movies on here. Uh, yeah, or there's multiple moments from one movie on here. Um, I guess my question is, are we allowed to have multiple moments from one movie, or we we have to cut it down to one moment? Per movie, uh, we can absolutely have more than one moment per movie. Uh, I would like to spread the love a little bit, so for a second or even third moment, we'd have to have a, a really good argument for it. Uh, but yeah, I think there are m- movies from last year that will absolutely have two or even three moments on this list. All right, all right. So what we're going to do is the start. I want to start attacking this list from both ends. I want to have us pick one moment to keep, one moment to cut, uh, and I create a list for you guys to follow along. Uh, first up is Chris. Uh, Chris, I would like you to pitch one moment to keep, 
one moment to cut, and we all must agree on both for them to uh, make it and be cut. Ooh, I haven't looked at anything to cut. I'll start with something to keep, and uh, this is a this is a movie I feel like didn't get as much attention as it deserved, maybe because it went it's a Netflix thing, but. Uh, I would really love to have the the big Western shootout scene from El Camino on here because, you know, I I was on the fence at the idea of a a Breaking Bad uh, sequel movie, but I felt like that scene alone where Jesse Pinkman basically recreates a Western shootout inside this garage made the movie more than worthwhile. So I'm, I'm arguing for that, especially because I feel like no one is even talking about this movie anymore. Yeah, it came and went because it was a Netflix thing. That's kind of Netflix's issue these days is it kind of they can't build that buzz. But El Camino, I think, is exceptional. And this scene does that Breaking Bad thing where it's really unexpected. But also, uh, it's a gunfight that's played very realistically. It's not, like, exciting. It's not, like, over the top. It's over in seconds. And uh, it's messy in a way that feels right for the Breaking Bad world. And I would I'd, I'd say, yeah, I'd say put it on the damn list. I agree with this. I think that this scene is the embodiment of um... – uh, Vince Gilligan wanting to live out his best Western dreams with El Camino. And it's so, uh, it's almost a little hokey in the way that it begins, but then it descends into some real uh, raw sort of realism. And I, I really love that whole uh, sequence. Yeah, this is great. I'm I'm totally on board with this. I, I think this movie might have done something with this sort of quick draw thing that I've never seen before, where a character keeps the weapon in like a jacket pocket the whole time and like shoots out of that. I can't remember anyway off the top of my head seeing that before. I thought it was really well done. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally down for that. All right, I've locked in the gunfight in El Camino. Uh, Chris, what should we cut? Uh, all right, I'm gonna pick something. I didn't pick this on the list, but uh, I feel like I'm qualified to cut this because I talked the most about this movie. And I would say that the final scene in pet cemetery which is on here i loved pet cemetery more than most people but i don't know if that that deserves to be on the list yeah i put it on the list because i felt like pet cemetery should have something on this list i like the movie a lot but i don't think it stands with the top 50 i feel like if we want to have something on this list i would argue for the the truck crash scene because not only is it filmed really well it it pulls a a switcheroo that if you don't know coming it's going to really catch you off guard because everyone thinks you know gage is going to get hit by the truck and it ends up being ellie so if we ha- if we want something on the list, I would argue for that. Yeah, I I, I think Pet Cemetery is a, a really good movie, but I don't. There are fifty other things on this list that I would argue for first. So I'm cutting Pet Cemetery. All right, next in rotation is me. Okay, um, I'm going to start with one that I think we can all agree on. I'll, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pick my. I'm going to save my big fights for a little bit later. And this is the first one on the list. The first thing I added when I first started this doc, we're all staring at. And that is the final shot of the Irishman. Uh, Rob De Niro's Frank sitting alone on Christmas Eve in his nursing home, asking the priest to leave the door open, hoping a visitor will come by to say hello. And the shot lingers and you realize just how wasted and forgotten his life is. And it's one of the most heart wrenching scenes of the year. I think it has to be on the list. Yeah. Yes. I mean, honestly, I could fill this entire list with with moments from the Irishman. But this is the one I would fight for the most out of pretty much the entire movie, even though I feel like the entire movie belongs on this list but yeah I, I, that moment uh is is phenomenal and and ben i know you're the most lukewarm on irishman can you still see why this belongs on the list yeah absolutely and this is actually the part of the movie where everything started finally coming together for me in a big way so uh, i'm glad that you know i'm sure we'll have more discussions about more moments from the irishman but uh i'm totally okay with a moment from the ending of that movie making it on this list because i, th- I thought that's really where sort of the hammer comes down and like the the full impact of the film is realized so yeah definitely 
right. As for my cuts, I'm going to propose two cuts from the same movie. Because I think it's a movie that um, I think all of us will agree deserves to be at least talked about briefly, but not make the list. And that is two moments from Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, namely, <laughs> Mothra being born and King Ghidorah emerging at the volcano. These are stunning shots. They're incredible to see. In, in the trailers, they blew my mind. And in, if you looked at them in a vacuum of the film, they're still impressive scenes. I think they deserve to be noted because they are so beautiful and, and shocking and incredible in their awe. But the rest of the movie them is such a letdown that I I think deserve to be mentioned, but then immediately cut. Um, Jacob, no, Mothra innocent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, this movie um, sucks. So I don't, I don't <laughs> mind cutting stuff from it. It looks great. It's a gorgeous looking movie, but the movie itself is bad. Does anybody want to argue for these two to remain on the list? I'm fine with cutting it. Yeah, we've got too many other good stuff, good moments to worry yeah. about. One shot that look, just looks pretty. All right. Godzilla King of the Monsters, you are banished to the bottom of the ocean. All right. Next up on the rotation is HT. What, keep one, uh, choose one to keep and one to kill. So I'm going to consolidate my keep and kill choices into uh, trying to consolidate two picks into one. Um, and that's two of the uh, moments from Little Woman. Uh, one is Joe's book is printed in Little Woman and Joe negotiates her happy ending in Little Woman. I think those two could be combined into one uh, moment because it's all kind of building up to the sort of uh, uncon- unreliable narrator of this whole piece and the idea that this is a- almost an Inception-like ending in which you don't know what is what is like the actual ending. And it's also a meta nod to Louisa May Alcott's own uh, personal history and her uh, publisher um, persuading her to change her ending to have Joe marry someone at the end. And so, and I, I like that the, the Greta Gerwig um, has this whole sequence with the book and that the book almost acts as, um, it's almost like a, I think there was a Twitter thread that pointed out how Joe was looking through the window like she was watching her baby being born. And I really like that uh, in combination with um Joe negotiating her happy ending and how she, in a sense, like gains her own happy ending through um, through this book printing as well. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I looking at this, I think we need Little Women on this list in some capacity. It's one of the best movies of the year, uh, but I think we can combine these moments easy. So yeah. I think I think Joe negotiates her happy ending uh, is a better description of of the entire last ten minutes of that movie. Yes. Yeah, I'm, and... I'm on board with that. That's one of my favorite movies this year, too. I thought it was great. Yay! I right. haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, no, I am also on board. All right, it brings us to Brad. Brad, keep one, kill one. Uh, okay, um, like Jacob, I'm going to do an easy one that I think everyone will be uh, willing to keep, uh, and that is Captain America summoning Mjolnir in Avengers Endgame. Uh, this was a moment that like elicited cheers several times when I saw the movie at different points in theaters. Uh, it is just an awesome moment. It, it's it's fan service in the best way possible. And the the fight that Captain America gives Thanos after he wields this hammer and uh, summoning lightning and throwing it and uh, using it in conjunction with his shield, it's just a fantastic movie moment. It's blockbuster uh, action at its best. And it's undeniably needs to be on this list. I agree, Brad. Here's my pitch to you. There are three moments from uh, Avengers Endgame that are, like, are very close to one another on this list. There's um, Captain America summons Thor's hammer, the Avengers assemble, and I am Iron Man. Oh, and, and Tony Stark makes the final um, 
his final uh, sacrifice. Would you and everybody else be willing to maybe combine all these into one entry, uh, which is the final battle of Avengers Endgame, just to um, make room for everybody else? I think that we can combine Captain America and the Avengers Assemble, since they're both tied to him, and they happen um, very close together, and also, you know, include Mjolnir. But I think I Am Iron Man needs to be separate, because that moment has so much more meaning outside of the battle and it like completes this incredible arc of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that started with Iron Man in 2008. So I think that we can combine, like I said, those two Captain America linked moments, but I am Iron Man probably needs to be on its own. So how about we call it Captain America's, uh, Captain America leads the charge and we, and we, and we, and the entry can be um, Mjolnir through uh, Avengers Assemble. Yeah, I agree. All right. So I'm going to add Captain America to the list combining those two so what do we cut brad uh so i think that we can cut this on uh, i'm sorry to whoever added this but the surprise release of guava island simply <laughs> because i feel like this wasn't anywhere near as big of a deal as it should have been for something that was a surprise release and i haven't heard anybody be like oh man have you seen guava island uh <laughs> i haven't seen guava island yet and i just I, so i feel like the idea of the surprise release of it is like a Okay, whatever kind of thing. <laughs> uh, that's fair enough, Brad. I put it on the list um, because I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the only people who has seen this thing, and I just wanted to give it a, a moment in the sun um, and make people aware of it because it's it's a short, uh, basically like a musical movie that was dropped on Amazon Prime, and it stars Childish Gambino and Rihanna, and uh, if you're a fan of Gambino's music... Uh, it's a really, really great, fun little piece of storytelling that I just wanted to uh, make sure that, you know, 2019 didn't totally disappear without people being reminded one last time that this thing exists. Um, and I was surprised when it, it sort of came out of nowhere because, you know, with people that big, for them to keep that a secret for that long was pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that ultimately it probably doesn't end up, you know, <laughs> it probably shouldn't end up on this list. I just wanted to give it a quick shout out. All right, so we're cutting Guava Island. Uh, ben, you're up next. Oh, boy. Um, well, let's see. Uh, let's go with uh, the... A hidden passage is revealed in Parasite. How about that? I mean, that's like one of my favorite moments from any movie this year. Um, it's where the, the film really kicks into a whole nother level. Like you, the, the camera comes down those stairs and sort of pans over and you see this woman like fully parallel trying to shove this, this bookcase open. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And from there, the movie only gets crazier. Um, and I think that's like such a, an impressive moment in this, in this super impressive movie. Um, that's gotta be on this list, right guys? Yeah, that was the moment I was actually going to nominate next because this is the real turning point for this movie and the part where you it it gets even deeper than the crime caper film it is and pulls that match trick of being uh, about you know capitalism and and uh, class stratification and it's just so fascinating the way that this plays out like a horror scene and yet uh, is just. And I don't know, it's just, it astonished me when I watched it. And when I watched it with a group of people, it was so great to just hear all the reactions of everyone just in shock as it took place. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is literally a jaw dropping moment. Like my mouth hung open. I was like, and I was thinking to myself, like, what, what the hell is going on? Where is this going now? Here's my question. Uh, we have a lot of Parasite on this list and I don't think all of them are going to make it. So if we, put a hidden passage revealed on this list 
do we have to cut under the coffee table, which happens about 10 oh, minutes later. Oh, but I love that one. Oh, man. I'm not yeah. saying that's when it I'm, becomes I'm, like the best Hitchcockian suspense thriller. Oh, yeah, I'm not so saying, I'm not saying we have to. I just, I, just want to, I just want to throw it out there, test the waters. Clearly, we're not ready to get rid of under coffee table. So we'll we'll put a hidden passage reveal from Parasite on the list. We'll have to see what else from Parasite makes it. Because Parasite is pretty much, pretty much from the halfway point on, Parasite's entirely incredible moments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, HC, what do you kill? Oh, wait, oh, uh, me. Wait, my, turn my turn to okay. kill something, right? Oh, okay. Ben, I am sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I'm going gonna... to Parasite so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill a movie that I put on the list um, Under the Silver Lake. There's this piano moment. Um, how many people here have seen Under the Silver Lake? I know Chris did. Anybody else? I no, not I. I have oh, not seen. Oh man. Uh, so, Chris, do you know the moment I'm talking about? The piano moment when? Yes. Uh, it's it's <laughs> like uh, uh, I don't even know how you explain that moment. Yeah. yeah. Andrew Garfield's character. He, the the entire movie is this really sort of like lazy, paranoid, super weird film, and I would recommend watching it, even though it's it, it might rub you the wrong way. But um, there's this moment where he uh, encounters this guy who claims to have written most pop songs in in history or or over the last 50 or 60 years anyway. He's this really, really rich old guy. And this guy, you know, gives him basically like a James Bond villain monologue and then starts shooting at him. And Andrew Garfield takes a guitar, spoiler alert for this movie and again, everything else on this list, uh, and just bashes this guy's head into a complete pulp. It's like something, all of a sudden the movie turns into Mandy or something. It's like it's totally out of left field. Uh, and for a, such a, yeah, like I said, like a lazy movie, for this moment, it was such a shocking, like, holy shit, this thing is going there kind of moment. And it's almost like you don't even really know if that scene ever actually happened or not because the movie is so dreamlike. But, uh, man, it, it was a really shocking moment. I just wanted to give it a, a quick shout-out. So I, I know that it doesn't have enough support to actually make it on this list, but uh, people should watch Under the Silver Lake. It's, uh, it's a really weird one. All right. Uh, goodbye, Under the Silver Lake. Uh, people, that movie has a strong following, but, yeah, you're, you're right, Ben. I don't think it, it doesn't have enough love from the overall site, I think. All right, we're back at the top. Uh, Chris, one to kill, one to keep. Ah oh, man, this is. Uh, uh, can we just like keep everything on this list? I just like ev- like every. Movies are good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have like a problem with. All right, here's one to cut just because I haven't seen this movie and I I can't believe it belongs on the list. That's the Battlefield Visions in Tolkien. I don't I don't know what that <laughs> even is. So. Let's let's get rid of that, please, because who wants that on this list, honestly? Yeah, I so I, I put this on there again, and I was really trying to, you know, Jacob told us before, you know, when we were um, coming up with entries for this list, to try to find memorable moments from movies that otherwise weren't great, and I think this is a, a perfect example of one of those. It's basically just um, J.R.R. Tolkien on the battlefield in World War One, and as he's out there in the, the craziness of war, he starts seeing these visions of... Um, people on horseback and uh, flames that appear as if they're being breathed by dragons and stuff. And it just sort of ties the horrors of war in with some of the creations of his Lord of the Rings and Hobbit books and all that kind of stuff together in a way that I thought was really visually interesting. But um, yeah, I don't think anybody's really going to be going to bat for Tolkien here when all is said and done. So, (laughs) Okay. uh, That's gone. Bye, Tolkien. Um, okay, so I guess one to keep. This is another movie I feel like a lot of scenes could be on the list, and I'd be all for 
multiple ones, but I feel like uh, of all the scenes in this movie, this is the one that everyone will talk about. And that would be uh, the scene where uh, Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood destroys the Manson family after they break <laughs> into the house. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie I, I love, uh, but I feel like that's the moment that everyone talks about. So it kind of belongs on here. As long as you also include the flamethrower scene right afterward as one complete sequence, I'm on board. Yeah, I feel like that whole sequence, basically, the, the Manson family break-in sequence is, is what below. I would even take it back further, like to the part where he, where DiCaprio is, is drinking his margarita and he takes it outside and yells at them. Like, that whole sequence <laughs> is just brilliant. Yeah, we have a lot of One Family in Hollywood on this list. I want to trim some of it down soon enough, but looking over all of them, I think this is the one to keep for sure. Yeah, agreed. All right, moving that one up. All right, uh, it's back to me. Um... Okay, I am going. I know before this podcast was recording, I said we need to make sure we keep this move going. We need to keep, we need to keep this going fast. But in order to sell you on my next scene, I need to do a little bit of role play. Uh, Ht, I am sending you a uh, sequence of quotes from uh, Thomas Eggers. Um, sorry, um, Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers. Thank you, Robert Eggers, The Lighthouse. Oh wait, am I uh, am I Willem Dafoe or my Patrick? Uh, Robert. You Pattinson? are going to read Robert Pattinson's Ephraim Winslow. I'm going to read uh, Will oh, Nepo's no. Thomas Wake. Okay, I just uh, want to say that I'm horrible at accents and impressions and everything. No, so this you, is going to go horribly. To, no, uh, it's fine. Uh, all you need to know if you have any lighthouse is that Rob Patton and Will Defoe are two lighthouse keepers, two wikis, uh, stranded in a isolated lighthouse. They're, they hate each other. Supernatural shit's going on. Shot in black and white. They're miserable. And uh, Rob Pattinson's uh, Ephraim had just revealed that he does not like Thomas Wake's cooking. So I am Will Defoe. I'm Thomas Wake. You're fond of me lobster, ain't ye? I seen it. You're fond of my lobster. Say it. Say it. Say it. I don't have to say nothing. Damn ye. Let Neptune strike ye dead, Winslow. Hark. Hark, Triton. Bellow bid our father the sea king rise in the depths, full foul in his fury. Black waves teeming with sea salt to smother this young mouth with pungent slime. To choke ye, engorging ye organs till ye turn blue, and bloated with bilge and brine, and can scream no more. Only when he, crowned in cockle shells, with slithering tentacle tail, and steaming beard, take up his fell bee fine arm, his coral shrine, trident, screeches banshee like in the tempest, and plunges it right through your gullet, bursting ye, a bulging bladder no more, but a blasted bloody film, now a nothing for the harpies and the soul of dead sailors to peck and claw and feed upon, only to be tapped up and swallowed by the infinite waters of the dread emperor himself, forgotten to any man, to any time, forgotten to any god or devil, forgotten even to the sea, for any stuff for part of Winslow, even any scantling of your soul is Winslow no more, but is now itself the sea. <laughs> All right, have it your way. I like your cooking. <laughs> I I would like to hear Jacob do this entire movie. <laughs> please. And the farts, too, please. Okay, yeah. Um... Of all the scenes in the lighthouse, this is the one I, I interviewed Eggers, asked him about specifically. It was all done one take, one crazy close-up into Willem Dafoe's screaming, scowling face. It's a movie in a nutshell. It's mysterious. It's full of, like, humor and insanity. It's, it's like, old-timey in the best ways. It is funny. It's creepy. It's outrageous. I I want this moment on a list, guys. I will cut the other two moments of the lighthouse. I also put Willem Dafoe keeps on farting in the lighthouse. And I also put Rob Pattinson kill, uh, kills a seagull in the lighthouse. But I, I, I will, the farting one. Oh, I, maybe you did. Well, <laughs> both of them, if, if this is my list, all three would be there. But I think <laughs> I, I want to put the, the lobster monologue on this list and cut the other two. 
Jacob, I haven't seen The Lighthouse yet, but after that performance, I feel like I have seen it, and uh, I gotta I gotta go with you on this. <laughs> I vote fully for it, even though I'm a little sad that the farts will be lost in the wind. I'm also a little sad the seagull sequence will be lost, because that, that is nuts. That scene is nuts. <laughs> it, it is nuts, but I, I feel like uh, the uh, if we need to sum up The Lighthouse in one scene, and we're not going to have room in this list for two Lighthouse scenes, I don't think, uh, I think that's the one to go. I feel like Sorry. we should just call this sequence Hark! <laughs> because it's great. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna that's my that's my submission. I'm gonna go ahead and cut one more while um oh boy. Okay, I am going to uh, cut one that I really, really like, and that is the uh, disastrous makeout session in Booksmart, uh, where uh, I want one character ends up in a bathroom with a girl of her dreams and it does not go well. It's a very funny, very gross uh, coming of age moment. Uh, I think there's a stronger book, book smart scene on this, on this list and I need to cut something and I'm going to go for that one. Yeah, I agree okay. with that. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That brings us back around to HD. Okay. Oh, I wonder if I should go for a little woman again, because I have so many of these on here, but uh, maybe I will go for a, a sequence which um, is actually from a film that I mostly liked, but I think is one of the most iconic moments of 2019 and maybe in recent cinema. And that's J-Lo's introduction in Hustlers. Um, in Hustlers, in which uh, J-Lo plays a stripper who uh, starts a scheme that uh, cons m- a bunch of men out of their money, um, she is introduced by uh, dancing to, what was this? Oh, Criminal um, by Fiona Apple. And uh, there's a great story about how they could, they almost didn't get the rights to it, but as soon as Fiona Apple saw the scene, she was like, yes, go for it. It's a scene that just feels so cinematic and plays to J-Lo's every strength and is just beautiful and just awe-inspiring to watch. And um, uh, I do I do love the other Jay Hustlers moment we have on the scene, but I think this one, this is the one that really just is transcendent above like almost the rest of the film. Anyone I'm else just, seen Hustlers here? I know I, I haven't have. seen it. Yeah, Chris, this is his moment. The, the moment. Yes, Hustlers rules, and uh, yeah, this scene belongs on the list. So don't you dare cut it. <laughs> Here's my question. We have another scene from Hustlers. The climb into my fur moment. If we add J Lo's intro, can we cut that one? Uh, I added that, so yes, go ahead and cut it. Even though I, I think that moment's great too. The whole movie's great. Everyone watch Hustlers. Yeah, that, that moment's great. I wonder if it could be consolidated into this scene, too, because it's also her, like, second introduction to Constance Wu's character. But um, it is kind of a little far apart, so... What do you All think, right. Chris? Uh, I mean, it does come, like, immediately after, but I, it, it's like a, it changes locations, so I don't mm. know. It might be All a right. bit much. We'll just go with J-Lo's introduction. All right, go. so what do we cut, HD? Uh, uh... Mm, I am going to cut uh, a movie a moment, which I will look right now because I did not think about this. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. There are a lot of moments here that I haven't seen. Uh, I'm going to go with the two popes eat a pizza in the two popes because I haven't seen that movie and it was very baffling to me by how many nominations it got at the Golden Globes. Uh, I added this because I love two popes eating pizza, but go ahead and cut it. I'm not going <laughs> to. 
<laughs> I would I would I would support cutting it because the pizza I didn't really think looked that delicious in the scene. I don't know. Oh come on. Oh, <laughs> <it> looks good. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm gonna cut the two popes. Uh, bye, two popes. All right, Brad, keep and kill. Um. Well, first, actually, I'm gonna start with a question, uh, which might be tied to potentially keeping and or killing. Because are we sure that John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch is a movie? This is a good question, Brad, and what I'm glad you asked. Because I do, I, lo- would, I do, I do love John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, but it very specifically says at the beginning it's a it's a Netflix special, and yeah, I don't I would, think it's a movie. As much as I love both of the scenes that were added here, the algebra song and the sad white lady song, I just don't think that we can include because it's not a movie. Yeah, I would agree. Even though this is phenomenal uh, i don't really, really think it's it so good I, I was floored by how good it was like it's it's so much more like has it has like significance and resonance and like wise things to say and it, it it somehow phenomenally works on this existential level for both kids and adults it really is brilliant if you haven't seen john Mulaney and the sack lunch bunch seek it out it's it's so good <laughs> Yeah, I think we should cut both these. I, I think this is a phenomenal thing, but it's, it's a comedy special. It's, it, it, and uh, the Sad White Lady song moved me in a way I was not expecting. And it, I don't know how to describe it. And But yeah, I, I think we can cut it. All right, so Brad, I don't think, I don't think I should cut towards your, your cut. So let's go ahead and have you do your regular keep and cut. Okay, uh, so my next keep is going to be... Uh, this should be an easy one. And this is... Uh, the the brawl in the knife room in John Wick three. Hell this, yes. This yeah one, <laughs> one of one of the best action sequences of the year maybe one of the best action sequences of um, the past ten years. It, it is just such an exciting fight. It's it's funny in moments. It's brutal. It's intense. And it is yeah. It's just pure awesome. Yeah, I put a lot of John Wick on this list, and if I had to fight for one of them, this is the one I. So you have my full support here, Brad. Yeah, definitely. Yes. All right, but before Brad gets to his cut, I just want to go ahead and just put it out here. Uh, there are four other John Wick scenes on this list. Um, since we got the knife room scene on there, which is, for me, the highlight of the damn movie, mm-hmm. uh, is it okay if we maybe cut the rest? I will read them off for the people at home. The dogs join the fight. John realizes his headshots don't work during the climax. His guys get heavy body armor. Uh, John fights the raid guys, where they keep on helping him back up after, he kick, after they kick his ass. Uh, I think all three of these moments are really incredible. But I don't know if we have room for three John, three more John Wick scenes. I would be right now. I would be comfortable cutting the last two, but I think that the dogs in that that one fight sequence. I think that entire sequence is incredible enough to maybe possibly make the list in addition to the knife fight. I was actually going to argue for cutting the first two and keeping the third. <laughs> I was too. I, I, was I really too. love the raid, the fight, the raid guys because it just. It's at the end of the mil- the film, and um, John Wick is just so tired. He keeps falling through endless sheets of glass, and um, I love that they keep helping him up. And a lot of that is not actually choreographed. A lot of that is Keanu Reeves uh, just unable to get up, and the the raid uh, fighters just helping him up as they do it. And I love that there's a sort of d- a playful dynamic between them because they're just so in awe of fighting John Wick, and he's just so tired. Um, but it, it's it's such a fun scene. All right, uh, this. I think John realizes his headshots don't work. It was one of the biggest last of the year, but something's, something's got to give. I'm, I'm going to chop it out. Anybody really doesn't want. Anybody want to fight for that one? No. Nah. All right. Mm-hmm. So Brad, what else do we cut? Um, I. Hmm, um, I, I don't think this is going to make it. I put this on here just because 
I, I like the scene because I think it's really funny and I think it takes the this character in an interesting direction. Um, but Sarah Connor meeting Carl in Terminator Dark Fate. Um, I think it's the probably the uh, the best scene in the movie other than some of the action sequences. Um, but it's it's such an interesting evolution of the T-800 Terminator and how he has kind of become this makeshift person. And it shows Arnold Schwarzenegger's skill at delivering lines that are comedic in a deadpan way. And I love Lyndall Hamilton's dedication as Sarah Connor to just being pissed at him the entire time, no matter what, not giving him any leeway whatsoever. Um, but I don't think that this is probably good enough to make it among a lot of the other choices we have here. But I did just want to mention it because I think Dark Fate is better than a lot of people uh, gave it credit for. And obviously audiences didn't turn out for it. So I just wanted, just wanted to mention it. Yeah, I think that's, that's the reason we make this list is we can mention moments you like, even if it doesn't make the list. Like, I'm glad you, you brought this up. That's that's why, it's why for me, it's the most fun on this list. It's the, it's the little moments that, you know, we can talk about that don't make it, but, you know, stuck with us. Uh, so, Ben, back to you. Let's, let's keep it going. Well, I'm going to nominate uh, one of my favorite shots of one of my favorite movies of the year, which is the final shot of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, I'm not going to talk about it in super detail because I know the movie hasn't come out in wide release yet. It comes out on Valentine's Day, so add it to your calendars, listeners. But basically the whole movie is about the act of looking, and the final shot sums this up so, so well and uh, really puts the showcase on um, one of the premier performers in the movie. And it is just about an ocean of emotions crashing and and um you know coming over this character as she listens to a song that means a lot to her and her chest is heaving and tears are falling from her eyes and it is like this dam has burst inside of her and then you see this tiny little smile start to form on her face and it's it's this uh really really moving um tremendously powerful moment at the end of what i think is like almost a perfect film and um it's really, really tough to get an ending perfectly right. And I think this shot and this movie does it. So I just wanted to see if, uh, I know I know a bunch of people here have seen this movie. So I wanted to see if it, it had uh, support beyond just me. I fully support this moment. I will say when I first saw it, it did give me, uh, it reminded me a little bit of the ending shot of Call Me By Your Name, but it does have that added resonance of that idea of looking and um, not looking back. It actually, I think there, I want to um, add a little thing about that, this moment. Um, I think during the movie, they frequently allude to Greek myths, specifically the myth of Orpheus, who mm-hmm. um, in the um, Greek myth, he famously uh, goes down into the underworld to to uh, recover the love of his life. And he's allowed to actually leave with her behind him. Um, but he's told not, he's told not to look back or else he will lose her forever. And they, this moment I think is so perfectly echoing of that Greek myth, the idea of like not being able to look back or else that everything will be lost. Or mm-hmm. there's just like that, um, that, that, uh, everything is just hanging in the air like that. Uh, it's just so beautiful. So, um, yes, completely support that. Yeah. Uh, I have no argument here. Chris, what do you think? Did you, do you approve of the ending of Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. I know as much as the movie means to Ben, and that, that for me is enough to get it on here. But Ben, what are you going to kill? Um, 
I kind of want to kill something from Joker, guys, because I really didn't like that movie very much. Uh, how about <laughs> Arthur gets in the fridge in Joker? I'm, I'm sure we're going to end up probably with some moment from that movie on this list just because it was such a big deal in 2019, but him getting in the fridge, I feel like, is the, the least important, the least essential of the options that we have so far. Yeah. As long as uh, Joker dancing in the steps does not end up on this list, uh, that's, that's <laughs> my number one priority. Um, I think Arthur getting there. I put something that puts on here because um, when I watch Arthur get into the fridge, I whisper to my wife, I feel that. <laughs> I still feel that. Uh, but yeah, I, we can cut this. I, I'm not going to fight for it. Yeah, I, w- I won't fight for it either, but I do think that this this scene is is so great. And I actually think that it's, it's better than Arthur dancing in the bathroom because him dancing after killing people for the first time is just, it feels just like too much. Like, you know, this thing where it's like, Oh, beautiful tragedy and listen to these strings and blah, blah, blah. But I love the, just the little action of him getting in the fridge just shows that he is just totally off kilter and out of his mind. And, you know, just does this in this moment. And it makes sense to him as a way of sheltering himself from, you know, the shitty world around him. Um, but yeah, it's, all right. the, the third joke moment on this list is Robert De Niro gets shot in the head during the talk show at the end, which is a very shocking moment. But looking at all three of these Joker moments and the rest of the list, guys, can I propose we cut all three of them? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I like Joker more than most. Joker yeah. Yet. <laughs> oh, you're not even know Robert De Niro gets shot in the head at the very end on live television. Oh, spoilers. It's all right. I don't care. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like Joker more than most. Uh, and I, think it's, I think it's a pretty solid movie overall with a, an amazing Joaquin Phoenix performance, but. I don't think any of these moments make the top 50. No. All right. We're back to the top again. And we got this list. We need to get, we need to get chopping. We need to get chopping. So how about Chris, how about you recommend one to keep and two to cut now? All right. Uh, I got one. I definitely want to cut. And I have a feeling I'm going to get pushback on this because while he's not on this episode, uh, Peter told Jacob before the show, something to fight for. And I have a feeling it's going to be this, but I'm going to go there anyway. God damn it. And (laughs) I would really like to cut uh, the final scene of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I I hate it with every fiber of my being. I'm not against stuff from this movie being on here. Uh, You know, there's, you know, I I actually love that scene where uh, Ray force passes Ben the lightsaber. Like, that's a cool shot. If that were on the list, I wouldn't complain. But this, this final moment, I buries the lightsabers and it turns them into one lightsaber. I don't know. I hate it. I just don't like it. And then she says her name is Ray. Yes. Ray so some is like, Who Ray are you? <laughs> Who are you, young lady? And she has to think about it. And I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Wait, hold I on. Think, I think it. Oh, Chris, go ahead. Do you, think, do you think that she turned those lightsabers into one lightsaber? No, I don't. I don't care what happened. Honestly, oh, I really don't. <laughs> I was just making sure because that, that sounded kind of ridiculous to no. me. I mean, honestly, uh, the whole movie is ridiculous. So, okay. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, I, I have a very strong distaste for Isaac Walker as well. Uh, but this this is indeed the scene Peter asked me to. Uh, oh, God damn friend. it! I knew it! I uh, knew it! Come on. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, he sent me a he sent me a piece a, a piece from an article he's writing right now, and I, I'm just gonna read some excerpts from it, and you guys can you know say yes or no. And give me the pushback, but I promise Peter I would at least work in his stead here. Um, okay, let me find a good place to start. 
Uh, Ray is no longer going to let the decisions of her parents weigh on her future. In fact, her future will be in defiance of her creators. She gets to decide who she is and who she's going to be. No longer will she wield someone else's lightsaber. She has built her own. She's a maker of her own destiny. The lightsaber is made of her old staff, symbolizing her acceptance of her past as a scavenger and her future as a Jedi. Yellow is the color of a Jedi Sentinel. Never before seen on the big screen. We have seen it in the animated TV shows. For instance, the Jedi Temple Guards wield the yellow lightsabers. Um... Some fans have misconstrued the scene to mean that Rey has retired the tattoo with BB-8 when she is obviously only there for a Skywalker lightsaber burial. The original ending featured Rey re- reuniting with Finn and Poe and the rest of her friends as the sun set over Batu. The ending was cut to focus more on her, which seems to have confused some viewers. To me, this ending is just the beginning of Rey's journey. It may be the final chapter of the saga for us, but this is only the first act for this young Skywalker. See, I feel like that's a great sentiment. I feel like it's not conveyed at all in what happens in the scene. Like I get what they were going for. And I, 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 you know, I don't want to harp too much on this because I know Peter loves this movie. And I, I, you know, if, if that's, if the scene had actually pulled that moment off the way he's describing it, I wouldn't be so against it, but I, I feel like it does such a, a piss poor job of selling what's happening here and that's why it, it really bugs me i think it raises more questions than it answers in that moment because you you get that moment where she looks down at this new lightsaber that as peter mentioned was built by part of her staff or whatever i never even drew that connection but like it it raises another question that i had which was like why didn't we get to see that moment that is like a really interesting moment for this character like what does she do uh when it's time for her to literally forge her own legacy and create this new item that is so important to the history of the Jedi. And then like the moment he's talking about where uh, Finn and Poe and all of those guys are like, are there in the original version of the ending and, but they're not there in the actual movie. So like, it doesn't, you know, I, I feel like as much as Peter loves this movie, it seems to me like he's pulling a little bit of extra knowledge into it. And, and you know, the same thing about the, the yellow color of the lightsaber, like, I shouldn't have to have seen the animated show to know that I, the yellow lightsaber is an important thing and is, you know, a Jedi Sentinel or whatever. Like, I, I don't know any of that. I haven't seen any of that. These movies should work on their own. And it just didn't have, it doesn't have the same impact when you don't know all of that stuff and bring in all that extra information. So I, I feel like as just a an ending moment looked at on its own, it doesn't really work that well. I don't know. Yeah, I just like a scene that requires you to refer to a visual dictionary for emotional resonance. I will defend the lightsaber aspect simply because I think that the the shot of her actually igniting it is more shocking and interesting than just seeing her build one. And I don't think that you need to understand that yellow was the color used by Jedi Sentinels for it to mean something. I think that the the difference in color by itself is enough to show her her evolution as a character from the traditional sense of what the Jedi used to represent and used to be, which used to be just green and blue blades. You know, it still represents something new and an evolution of Jedi and also Rey as a character. But having said that, I do also agree with a lot of the other flaws in it. And I personally also find it kind of frustrating that it's supposed to be such a big deal of her for her changing her name to Skywalker when despite the fact that Palpatine, the name Palpatine is tied to the Emperor, her parents did everything they could to protect her and renouncing that name almost seems like a slap in the face to them for trying to protect her. I almost think it would be more powerful if she kept the name and is like, no, I'm not evil or anything like that. Like I'm different. And this is like, this is who I am. 
and I've accepted that. I'm not trying to be someone else. I am who I am, and I happen to have this name, you know. And I think that would show more strength in the in the the face of what she's she's dealt with. Um, but I I don't know. It's I do like a lot of what Peter said, despite the fact that I don't like Rise of Skywalker very much. Um, so I, I'm willing to concede to let it be on the list simply for that. I know it means a lot to him, and I, I, it, I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> My argument for possibly on the list, and as someone who does not like the scene, is that there's maybe no scene from 2019 that has ignited more conversations like this. And it's going to be a scene that people keep yelling about and talking about for years and years and years. That's the one thing I can say about it. I wish Peter was here. Peter is out. He's he's not, he's sick. He's supposed to go without him. I asked him. I repeatedly asked him, "Do you want us to push so you can be here? So you can make this argument for yourself." And he he said no. So, uh, if, if what, you guys, if, what I, if we just do will, the behind? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I will uh, sort of throw my devil's advocate advocate weight or behind uh, Jacob as well in saying that I don't remember any other scene that actually stood out in the film, uh, whether it it. Uh, uh, took a gave me like a negative or positive reaction like I remember liking parts of it but nothing that really stood out to me as like Last Jedi did for example um, except for like maybe this final scene because it just it uh, was so it was just so stupid yeah <laughs> uh, here's, here's my here's my compromise there are four La- Rise Skywalker scenes on this list uh, there's uh, the final scene we've been discussing back up a rise for the final battle which is, I think is a cool moment Behind the back lightsaber pass, as Brad discussed, and the one I think should make the list, uh, the Jedi voices, when Rey's knocked unconscious and all the voices of all the dead Jedi from over generations, including voice cameos from numerous actors who have played Jedi over the years, like ask her to get up and give her strength. That to me is a great moment. That to me, I think, belongs on this list. We can cut the rest of them, get Rise Skywalker on this list, close the book on it. Wait, I, actually hate, I actually hate that moment. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, Honestly, I don't remember that moment. The only moment I would argue to be on the list is that behind the, the light back lightsaber thing. I think that's the, the only really enjoyable scene in the movie, but I'm not going to fight too hard about it because I want to move beyond this movie in more I, ways than one. I would, put, I would push for both the lightsaber pass and the Jedi voices because the Jedi voices, I think, whether whether you like it or not, I think it represents this great culmination of a lot of um, sex of Star Wars, ranging from the animated series, you know, outside of the movies, and bringing characters into the live action saga that have that fans have wanted to see for a while. And so, it is fan service, but I think that it is a very cool uh, moment. All right, it sounds to me as a person that's get the show on the road, we we need to cut the final scene. Uh, it sounds like just simply not enough support from anyone on this podcast to get it on the get on the list. Yeah, okay. I feel like if we put those two scenes we just talked about on the list, Peter, Peter will not be happy. But we can argue <laughs> that we put two things on there rather than one. All right, I'm cutting the final scene. We'll come back to Star Wars later. I'm assuming we will. So that's one cut. So Chris, cut one more and keep one more. Oh man, oh, I should have been looking during this argument, but I was so wrapped up in it. Um. <laughs> Let's see what to cut, what to cut, what to cut. Um, I haven't seen this movie, so I might be unfair, but I'm going to say cut the never ending story joke in Stuber because I don't, <laughs> I don't want Stuber to be mentioned on this list. Get out of here. Uh, Stuber is a, a movie I find very enjoyable. And in this scene, Dave Bautista and Kim Lanciani are fighting in a uh, abandoned or, or sorry, closed uh, sporting goods store. And there's like, there's like throwing things at each other and fighting and yelling and Camilla Nanjiani 
this character there's this very very long monologue where he says do you remember the scene in Neverending Story uh uh and he starts like using the Neverending Story as an example to explain how uh people close themselves off for feelings and it's this very long nerdy monologue Dave Bautista pauses and he goes yeah <laughs> it's a really really funny joke but it may, it's my favorite joke in the movie but yeah it, it, I'm cutting it it's, it's good though it's very good <laughs> all right um I'm so glad I, you liked it Jacob <laughs> So what, I have to add one now? One to yeah, add? Yeah. All right. One, here's one I, I would really like to be on the list, and it is the very, 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 very final shot of uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the the Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers movie. Um, because, you know, early in the movie, Fred Rogers, uh, you know, he, he gets asked by the reporter character, you know, is there anything he does when he gets angry? And he says... You know, oh, there's lots of things you can do. You can play all the low notes on a piano at once. But then he like sort of moves past that, and you know, he goes back to being this sort of like almost saintly figure. And you know, the whole movie, Fred Rogers is very, very, you know, uh, just this wonderful guy. And the very final shot of the movie is he's in the studio and everyone has left, and he's all alone, and then he he just hits all those low notes on the piano, and I, it's such a great. A dialogue-free moment that, like, it underscores that you know, despite what we've just seen, this guy was human and he had his moments of doubt. And I, I love that movie because it's like the only time the movie actually lets the sort of uh, idealized version of the character down and shows him in, in this sort of like crisis moment. And so I, I would really like for that to be on here. Yes, it should be on the list. Thank you. <laughs> Agreed. Yes, I agree. I haven't seen it yet. Sorry, Chris. <clears throat> How dare you? No, <laughs> Alright. Uh, so we're adding the final piano scene from Beautiful Neighborhood to the list. Okay, I'm going to go to bat for a movie I don't think anyone else here has seen. Uh, has anyone else here seen The Art of Self-Defense? No. No, no but they just, they just added it to Hulu today, I saw. Oh. Yeah, I was, I was actually a little disappointed that we were doing this today because I, I just saw that as well and I wanted to watch it before this since you had mentioned it and I've been meaning to watch it. Okay, I saw this almost a year ago at South Southwest, and I can't get over <laughs> uh, one of the final scenes of the movie, so sorry guys, I'm going to spoil the ending. But the movie, uh, Jesse Eisberg plays this very meek guy who's mugged, and he goes through a, a crisis of self-confidence, he, try, he goes up to buy a gun, decides not to, and just ends up joining a, a uh, karate class, where the sensei, it only, only goes by sensei, played by Alessandro uh, Nivola, in this incredible performance starts uh trying to radically change his life he will he forces him to listen to different music he forces him to um like be a, a more angry violent person he forces him to be stupider he forces him to like look down on a woman even kills his dog and it's just, and it ends up being this really really dark comedy about how fascism manipulates men and young impressionable men who feel weak are welcomed into um you know welcomed by powerful idiots and it's very timely and very horrifying and very funny and in the final scene, uh, after Jesse Eisberg's character has um, learned all this and is like prepared to reject Sensei's ways, he calls him out, uh, says, well, we're going to have a fight to the death. And Sensei says, I'm going to kill you because, you know, he's a karate master and Jesse Eisberg is not. They both get in their geese, their robes, they go out into the um, uh, little training area of the karate uh, school. They both assume position. Jesse Eisberg pulls out a gun, shoots him to death. <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of the movie. And um, it is by far... The, the biggest, most shocking laugh I've had in a movie all, all last year, and uh, I just, I, I just, 
and, 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 the, and the movie sums up 2019 so well for me. The idea of um, uh, gun violence never is never the answer, uh, but it, it's such a swift rejection of uh, a proudly idiotic, misogynistic, you know, tossing masculinity that I feel like no moment felt more refreshingly hostile and right and and wrong in all the right ways. I love this moment. Yes, I wish I could have seen this in the movie, and I will never forgive you for spoiling it for me, Jacob. Yeah, wow, that that sounds like a gut punch of an end. Well, not a gut punch, but just like uh, knock the wind out of the ending. And I kind of wish I could see it now. But uh, um, I I think that your passion for it definitely like it sounds. I don't mind. Yeah, this sounds like exactly the kind of thing that I would fully support as well if I, if I had seen it. So I'm I'm all for putting it on there. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I, I feel like I need the spoil to make sure it got on this list. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was just kidding. Don't worry Go about it. it. All right. Okay, I'm going to cut two moments now. Um, okay, I'm going to cut a moment I added that I like. And that is uh, the first time they walk through the city in Detective Pikachu. Seeing all those Pokemon alive and walking around was absolutely thrilling to someone like me who grew up playing those games. Uh, but I don't think it makes the list. I didn't even know you it's added very- that. <laughs> Anybody else want to fight for this one? Or I just chop it. Yeah, you can chop. It is it is a very cool scene to kind of be put into that world uh, in live action form. But yeah, yeah, it's and, a cool moment, but not a, a 50 best moments of the year. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't add this one, so I apologize in advance. But uh, no scene with Ed Sheeran belongs on this list. And the song <laughs> off with Ed Sheeran and yesterday, I, I it, it should go. Yeah, I put this on here just because I was scrambling to come up with any moment from that movie that I could put on this list, and I I, I really like that moment, but uh, not enough to to fight for. So. All right. Well, that's me. So I guess we're back around to HT. All right. I nominate to keep a bad boyfriend in a bear suit in Midsummer. There are a lot of moments in Midsummer that I really loved, um, but I think this is the one that just kind of brings this entire movie, the strange, funny, disturbing, cathartic movie all together, especially when you see um, the bad boyfriend burning in the bear suit and uh, Danny Florence Pugh's slow smile uh, as as he burns. And I absolutely love this scene. Yeah. You yeah, got to get some midsummer on this <laughs> list, yes. Yeah, in fact, I'd say we keep this one and cut the other two minutes ever scenes on the list. Oh, I really love the group cry, though. Um, I do, too. Uh, the ritualistic suicide, which I added, uh, is great, but we can, I think it, it can go. I think that can, can go, yeah. Uh, but I'm adding Bear Suit to the top of the list. Uh, HG, are you prepared to later on fight for the group cry, or should we just cut the Band-Aid off now? I want to I fight for it, because this is the one that really sold me on what this movie was trying to do in terms of just... Um, shared grief and shared trauma together. Uh, should I fight for it now? <laughs> uh, no, we'll, we'll save it for later. Just case. Okay. Uh, go ahead and cut too. Okay. I oh, I had something to cut, and now I don't remember what it was. I am going to cut. Um. Wow, I don't. I'm all over the place today. Uh, Carol refuses to debate Yon Rog in Captain Marvel. <laughs> Because I don't remember that scene. I remember I, I, what happened in that scene again? I think it's where she like blows, like lightning at Jude Law, and he flies across the desert or something. I can't. Yeah, remember. yeah, cause, yeah. Because he like he 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 wants to fight her like without powers to show like, you know, whether or not she's really strong enough. And she's like, yeah. no, fuck you, and yeah. just blasts him. It's a really good uh, fist pumping feminist moment. Uh, but there are better Marvel scenes on this list, let alone yeah. better moments. Agreed. Yes. 
right. So one more HD. Another one that I will cut is man. I'm really bad at coming up with these ahead of time because I love moments and they're great. Um, let's see. Uh, can I consolidate something? Yeah. Um, the two always be my maybe entries. I think that the and they're both they're Keanu Reeves entries and always be my maybe, and then the Keanu Reeves rap song and always be my maybe. I think you could just consolidate that to Keanu Reeves and always be my maybe. Yeah, uh, I think that if we consolidate both of them, uh, it should I can make the list just straight up. Yes. And then we ah. ask, <laughs> would anybody disagree with Keanu Reeves and always be my maybe being right on this list? Yeah, I mean, I personally think that it's it's probably just the arrival and dinner scene that makes it worth it, but the you know the rap song is a nice bonus, I suppose. Yeah, I think Keanu Reeves in general, it's the Keanu Reeves scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so, am I opposed to this one before I add it? I haven't seen that movie yet, so no. Okay, all right. Uh, in the year of Keanu, this was another highlight. Okay, let's move on to Brad. Brad, uh, keep one, kill two. Uh, I'm gonna start off by killing two. Um, and these two are just too general, I think, to make it onto this list. Um, one of them is the chemistry between Henry Golding and Amelia Clark in Last Christmas. Um, I'm sh- I haven't seen the movie. I'm sure that they have great chemistry based on whoever put this on this list. But I feel like if we're going to recognize the general chemistry of two actors, we'd have a much longer <laughs> list with a lot more uh, dynamic duos to, to, to praise. Uh, so I think that just needs to Fair go. Enough. Yeah, the fact that we, the fact that it can praise the chemistry, but the fact there's no individual scene to showcase that chemistry is is an issue. Yeah, uh, and then also as another general one, I, I feel like we can probably cut uh, any scene with Lupita Nyong'o in Little Monsters since she's in pretty much uh, at least half the movie, if if not seventy five percent of it, and so that's a little too broad. And as great as she is, and as much as I do enjoy the hell a lot of that movie, I feel like it's probably not specific enough to really have a, a moment on, on this list. Yeah, I put this on here. I think it's an incredible performance in a movie I don't especially love. And the fact that Lupita Nyong'o did this and us in the same year blows my mind wide open. But what problem is, like, I can remember how much I loved her, but I couldn't remember a single damn scene. So you're right. Yeah, I'm cutting it. Okay, and then what am I going to keep? Um, I... I'm going to go with, um, you know, I'm going to go with this. I, I, I just really like this as um, I think HT will give you some support here. Um, the farewell and reunion in How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I think that this is such a touching conclusion to the entire franchise. And I love that we get this this little flash forward that shows how the relationship between Hiccup and Toothless evolves and they each have their own families. And it's just it's this nice moment that really it works on two different levels. I think it works for, um, you know, kids who grew up watching this franchise and it works for the adults who got to watch their kids grow, grow up during this franchise as well. Um, and it's, it's just a nice touching, uh, end to, to this franchise. And I think that it is, uh, good enough to be on this list. 
God, yes, I cried during this scene. I think that I agree with everything you said. I think that this is it's a, it's significant that this film came out this year and it wrapped up this year long trilogy that was so such an anomaly in animation and that you see you get to grow up with these characters and see them mature and um, grow beyond uh, what you what they're introduced as. And it's this beautiful just cap to this boy and his dragon story that um, isn't as tragic as you'd expect. It's bittersweet, but it's it gets to this this message of you know your friends that you had as as children will move on at some point, but you will still always have that connection no matter what. Yeah, you know my feelings on the, on these movies, so I'm, I'm you're I'm wrong, to... Jacob. I just I don't yeah, understand. you you heartless bastard. So I'm gonna step aside and let Chris and Ben uh, say their piece here if they feel this belongs on the list. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I have no. I, I don't. I feel nothing about it either way. So if it wants, if someone wants it on there really badly, I I, I don't I, object. But I don't I'm kind know. of. Um, I, I feel like yeah. Let's let's go ahead and say yes. Uh, there we go. Let's do. It. Let's just make it simple. All right. We're yeah. putting stuff on a list. Yeah. We're, we're making it happen. Okay, Ben. Kill two. Keep uh, one. All right. I'm going to uh, suggest that we keep the ending run from 1917. Um, this entire movie, obviously everybody's probably heard that like the gimmick of the movie is that it's one shot. Um, I think the real power of that is that you see these characters go through this total, like this list of totally insane things. And it culminates in this really beautiful ending run. That's, that's just, um, the music starts to swell and there are just people everywhere. And it's like a, it's a filmmaking feat and, uh, you're really in it with that character and, and thinking that you hope that they make it to their final destination. It's, this, it's really, you know, it's a culmination of a lot of things in the movie. And I think the, the power of this entire movie being in one shot is that because it's unbroken, it basically is just like, this is a day for these people and just one of many in this totally insane war. Um, so I think this moment as this culmination of this whole movie um, works really well and is, uh, you know, some of the most memorable imagery that I've seen in a movie or saw in a movie last year. Chris, you reviewed this. Do you agree? Yeah, I actually, I think I put it on the list. So yeah, this, this of all the scenes in the movie, and there are a lot, this is the one that really like took my breath away because it's this very almost like endless pullback as the camera moves and this character runs towards it and all this shit is going on it, it's really good so I, I would i would say yes all right 1917 you are on our list uh ben all right i'm gonna kill, kill one from here. portrait of a, lady, of, of a lady on fire because i know we already have like the main thing on there there's this um this song that breaks out near the middle of the movie and i called it the thx sound effect song because uh, that's sort of like what it sounds like mm -hmm. when these women start to sing and i'll just leave it at that for people to discover on their own but um i, I know it's not going to make this list and then the other one that i wanted to cut was uh another one that i added called family isn't perp uh, family isn't perfect aka your grandfather was a dick from frozen 2 um which i, I just really like that message of for a, a disney animated movie to be like hey just because you're related to this person doesn't mean that they're a good person um and i just thought that was a a, a sentiment that i've not often seen in uh animated films much less you know uh, the family friendly disney uh, family of animated films so um i i guess I put it on there more for its novelty than it's like general brilliance, but uh, we can cut that. Yeah. I like the scene a lot, but there's a frozen two scene on this list. I would argue for first. 
All right. Uh, so it brings us back around to the top with Chris. Uh, Chris, let's go and keep going with cutting two and keeping one. All right. This is one I, I would really like to have on the list because I feel like no one is going to have any scenes from this movie on this list. But I really like this scene in an otherwise awful movie. And it is the, the Gus the theater cat scene from Cats. <laughs> I knew Look. you added that. <laughs> Look, the movie is an absolute mess. But there's this one moment where Ian McKellen shows up as this old cat and he tells this story about how old he is. And Ian McKellen is the only one in this movie who like pulls off this weird cat perform. Like he's so believable as an old cat, whereas everyone else looks like weird monsters. And cause he, he gives it all this like pathos and he gives it more emotion than the movie or the song deserves. And uh, it's like this brief, island of tranquility in a, in a sea of shit so i i really would like it to be on the list the point uh, of this I, list is to celebrate great moments even from bad movies so chris you have my sword i i i just i'm no i'm sorry if, if there's one <laughs> scene, if there's one scene that's going to make this list like it should just be the default like only good scene in this movie and it's jennifer hudson belting out memory and i i i think i i, I it looks like we neglected to put that on this list. I'm sorry. Have you guys forgotten Tibble Shanks, the railway cat? Oh, my no. God. <laughs> well, that's a nightmare. That I'm ta- I honestly don't think the memory thing is that, like, yeah, her singing is good, but we already know she can sing. and. Yeah, but it's the only like, good scene in the entire movie. I think this is a good I, scene. This is a legitimately good not. scene. I don't I no, disagree about sense. the memory scene, too. I think that there, I mean, I like the Ian McKellen scenes, but I feel like there are other scenes that so embody cats um i joked about shimble shanks but i think that there's also the um the mccavity song by taylor swift where it suddenly turns into climax where that where she like catnip drugs everyone and they yeah, all start riding all just, on like, the floor yeah but then they all just like go to sleep it, they, like if they <laughs> like start ripping each other's heads off like in climax then yes i would vote for that no, every scene in this movie is bullshit, and just no. No no uh, cats on this list at all. I've put Gus the Theater Cat into our in-discussion column, so Chris, pick another one to keep for now. Oh, man. I pick the Gus the Theater Cat scene. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be my pen and teller. I, I refuse to let it go. Um, fuck. Uh, all right, here's a scene that is very upsetting, but I kind of want it on the list anyway, and it's... um. It's a sequence with Jennifer Carpenter in Dragged Across Concrete. And uh, it's, you know, the, it's this weird thing because it, it seems like it doesn't belong in the movie at first. And it it's almost like a short story nestled into this big movie where she plays a bank teller and she was she's been out on maternity leave for a long time. And we get to see this whole long sequence where she doesn't want to go back to work. She wants to stay home with her baby and her husband basically like forces her. She's like, you have to go to work. And she goes to work and her first day back at work, the bank she's at gets robbed. And I'm not going to say anything more just in case I know a lot of people haven't seen this yet. And some people don't want to see it because of, you know, Mel Gibson is in it and has a lot of baggage around it. But uh, this sequence is so brutal and so brilliantly realized that uh, it, it has stuck with me ever since I saw it like months ago. It's hard for it's hard for me to argue when I don't know what happens. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sorry. Oh, you don't you haven't seen this yet? I thought no, you I did. I, I I've heard people talk of the scene and how it's the, the scene in the movie, but I've never actually heard what happens or I've not seen the movie. 
all right, well then she dies in the scene. That's what happens. She's, you know, it's this whole buildup where she doesn't want to go to work and she wants to stay at home with her baby and her husband forces her to go. And her first day back on the job, the bank gets robbed and she's brutally murdered. And it's, it's shown in, in extremely graphic detail. And it's, it's, you know, like it knocks you back in your seat because you're not expecting it. Although now you will be because I just told you. Has <laughs> anybody else seen this? I have not. I I'm it. familiar with S. Craig Zoller's have, other work, but I've not seen this one. I've also not seen it. What do we What do we do here? Oh, How do we do this? Um, what do we, you what do add we do it here? to the list. What we do here is we ask Chris. <laughs> How passionate he is about this scene. Like, is this is this truly for you a top 50 scene of the year? I'll make you a deal. You let Gus the theater cat on that list. I'll let this go. No, <laughs> the opposite. I'll let you have have the that scene with you cut Gus the theater cat. All right, fine. I'll take that too. No, no, I won't. God damn it! I want my. <laughs> All right, uh, Chris. I hate to do this. I'm gonna put into discussion for now just oh my god just you're the only person who can say a word for it right now and so pick one more i'm sorry i know how peter feels every time we do one of these things um geez. all right here's another parasite moment that should be in there and it's the jessica song from parasite where they ring the doorbell and she sings that little jingle and it is it's it's not even like important to the plot but that scene is so memorable it's like somehow instantly iconic just the way it's shot and performed. And I, I, it's my favorite scene in the movie, honestly, even though I think the whole movie is great, but it's the one that I, I love the most. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I, I see. I like the scene. I, I just don't understand like all the hype over it. Like, I think it's a great like little moment, but I feel like the rest of the movie is just so much better than that singular moment. I don't know why everyone has stuck on well, this. Well, that's the point of this list. I don't know. It's, it's just it's really to highlight those little moments. I know, but I just, I just think all the other moments that we have from Parasite are so much, I don't know, better. I just, it's I don't, it's weird to me. I, I don't dislike the scene by any means. I, I wouldn't fight against it necessarily, but I'm just saying that I don't get it, like the, the hype around it. It's like a weird, it's like a, this rare silly moment in this movie, where, which is just so heightened and so suspenseful. And it has, it's just kind of a small moment between siblings, which I think in the script, Bong Joon-ho describes as silly but you can just you can feel the sibling bond um it's also not my favorite moment of the of the film but i i really like it and i think we should put it on the list just because of the cultural impact it's had and like you know neon has made it into a ringtone so uh i think that should be on the list my one concern here is that if we put this see on the list we'll have to cut the rest of the parasite stuff because we oh, need no. to keep room oh, but we have, there's so many good parasite scenes there are a lot of good parasite. for parasite. Uh, the rest of under the coffee table from parasite the apartment flood from Parasite, the tuberculosis heist in Parasite, and the final moments of Parasite. They're all... See, honestly, I'd be fine cutting all of those, but that's me. I don't know. I, I personally think that the the under the coffee table scene is probably the best out of all of those. I think the apartment flood is great, too, because it really... Well, it, 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 it creates that... Divi- it, it makes clear that division between rich and poor once the the, uh, the have and the have-nots because at the end of that scene you have um, the the park uh, wife saying the rain was such a blessing and then in like the aftermath of this whole flooding when their entire lives have been upended. So I was gonna uh, argue for the uh, final moments because it's so incredible. Uh, so I don't know what to do here. Let's just include all of Parasite, Jacob. This is really really tough. Um, 
my one concern with Chris's pick here is that I like all the other moments more from Parasite, and that's my one concern. I feel really awful because Chris is on pick number three already, so it's hard for me to say pick another pick again, Chris, because I feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> all right, I'll pick something else. All right. You all, you all are testing my patience. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, there's a scene. We don't have anything on the list from the farewell yet, and we really should. So I'm going to pick this moment from the farewell, where it's basically uh, Aquafina's character Billy um, has this moment where she's just talking about her childhood, and she remembers, you know, being in China, and then they suddenly came to America, and everything was different, and I love this movie and this was the scene that really like blew me away the most because uh, I don't want to say I disliked Aquafina before seeing this movie, but I didn't really see what the hype was like surrounding her. And this is the movie. And this scene particularly is the thing that like convinced me like, Oh, she has real range. Like she's not just like a comedian. She has like all a very uh, impressive amount of range and she can deliver this, this it's basically a monologue where she's just talking about how confused she was from, you know, this culture clash. And she, she sells that scene so well. And uh, I would really uh, like that to be on the list. Yeah. Uh, there are three scenes in farewell on this list. I don't know which one I'd back first, but the scene, this is a really, very really memorable moment for the movie. Yeah, I also I, I really love this scene. I love all three of these, um, but I will I will back this one too because this was such a, a a powerful moment that I don't think I could rewatch it again just because it's just so raw and powerfully delivered by Aquafina. Um, so I yeah I throw my support behind you, Chris. I'm down with that too. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm for it as well. Oh, all finally, right. did all right, it, Chris. You did it, Chris. So kill two now. Oh my God. Um. All right, I'm gonna. There's a there's a lot of stuff from us on the list, and I, I love us, but I think we can maybe cut um, the the hands across America thing. No. You know, it's oh my <laughs> no, god, no, no. You can cut the other two. You can cut the other two scenes from us. But heads across America is one that I'm not I'm not gonna give up. Oh my god, let me really? just pick I... something out. <laughs> All right, <laughs> the upside down escape r- in escape room. The upside down room in escape room. Come on, get that off yeah. the list. I it's liked a... escape room more than I thought I would, but no. Yeah, it's a really good scene. I put it on here, but I'm, I'm happy cutting it. It's just a, a movie's a lot better than it should have been. That scene's really good, but I'm cutting it. All right. Yeah, that, that's a really fun sequence. That, and also, since we already have something from El Camino on the list, I don't think we really need more than one thing from that movie on this list. So that apartment uh, scene where he's looking for the money, even though it's a really cool scene and I love the way it plays out, I don't think that we need that on the list. Yeah, that's also mine. It's really good, and it's more Breaking Bad style of stuff that we like, but I'm chopping it. All right. Whew, okay. That was rough. That was really rough. Um, I'm going to go for another one that is. Uh, I don't think everybody here has seen this. Okay, who here has seen One Cut? Of the I Dead? have. Oh, I have. I have. I have. Okay, uh, One Cut of the Dead is a movie that I've been tiptoeing around for, since I saw Plastic Fest over a year ago, and it hit. It finally arrived. You know, released last year. It's on streaming on Shutter right now. It's a brilliant, wonderful movie, and. I'm going to spoil the big twist of sorts, which is for the first half hour, you're watching this extremely low budget, low rent, poorly shot, poorly lit, poorly acted zombie movie. It has some weird charm to it. And then about a third of the way through it, the credits roll for this movie, you know, after like 33 minutes. And then suddenly 
you cut to what looks like a real movie. It's one month earlier, and you realize that you're now going to watch how this low budget John movie was made, and it's it's TV project being shot in one shot by a director and sort of a bootstrap crew, and the opening credits start here, and you realize, oh my god, the first half hour of this movie was us watching a intentionally watching a bad zombie movie. So now we're going to rewind and see how it was made. And the rest of the movie is just a, a comedy of errors. As you see how all the baffling decisions of that movie came to be behind the scenes and the rest of the movie is a joy to watch. But, uh, when you first realize that, Oh my God, this is the movie. Uh, we're not watching a movie, watching a, watching a movie about making movies. And we're going to see like this, you know, crew come together. And once you realize that, you realize that's what this movie is. It was such a powerful, exciting moment. And I think this is my favorite movie, my favorite moment um, of the movie and it belongs in the list. I really love that moment that I think for me, like the, the part that best sums it up is the very, very end where they, like all of the people form like a human pyramid in order to get that, uh, that final shot that looks down on the, the final shot of the movie within the movie. Um, but I think if we're only going to have one part of one uh, moment from one cut of the dead on here, and you're as passionate as you are about the opening credits moment, which really is like the, the hinge on which the rest of the movie sort of operates. Uh, I think it makes sense to put that one on there. I'm cool. Yeah, I, gotta, them, I gotta agree with, uh, with Ben. Cause I think yeah. that like the ending, like the whole, the whole like uh, sequence where they pull it off and then like they climb on top of each other to do some, to make that pyramid and get that dolly shot is just, it's so funny and it's so riveting and something that's like uh, an homage, just like love of filmmaking. And I, well, I liked the cleverness of the opening credits. Um, I don't, I don't think it hit me as, as much as you did, as it did for you. Um, I just really enjoyed just the, the energy of the last um, dolly shot and everything that like went into making that low budget movie. So, um, I would, I would, uh, put my support behind the, the second one. Yeah. Look, look I just want one cut of the dead on this list. So either yeah. one is fine by me. Uh, Brad, do you have a preference? Uh, yeah, I think I would go with the end two just because I feel like that, that, that opening is just, it's, it's hard to get through. And even though it's, it's, it's kind of worth it in the end for the setup. I think that the end is, is much more satisfying. All right. So I went ahead and cut the, uh, opening credits and put uh, Dolly Shaw on there. I think that's also a, a wonderful moment. And it, it pays off when you watch the first third, you realize that it ends with this kind of awkward, weird Dolly shot. Like how the hell, this, why is the shot look like this? And you see the movie and it's, it's such an incredible payoff and it, it really does work. All right. So let me cut two of them. I want to cut a, mo- a moment I love. doesn't belong on a list. Ben Mendelsohn drinks a milkshake in Captain Marvel. I think it's really, really funny to see him in the heavy makeup drinking a milkshake, but it, it's not, it's not yeah. on the list. Right guys. I really like that moment, but yeah, I, I think you can cut it. Um, yeah, same same here. Okay. Um, a movie that, that Chris and I have seen, uh, The Masks Come Off in Haunt. Haunt is a really solid uh, horror movie about a haunted house run by people who are actually killing all the customers. They're wearing this creepy Halloween mask throughout the movie, and light in the film, you start to see them taking out the masks, and the guys underneath there have used body modification and tattoos and, and scarring to, like, Create, you make their faces into into monster faces that like match their masks, and it's a really like shocking moment, and it really dolted me when I saw it, and I'm really happy to like talk about it, but I don't think it's gonna make this list unless Chris has a special fondness for it. I mean, it's a very cool scene, and I like this movie a lot. I, a lot of people don't like this movie, but I, I really liked it. But I wouldn't like fight for it. Yeah, okay, I, I agree. So, Matt Haunt, you are very good, but you don't make the list. All right. Uh, HD, keep one, kill two. 
I'm going to kill them first because I always forget which ones I want to kill after I fight for the ones I keep. Uh, and this is one that I added myself. Uh, and I really enjoy this moment, but I don't think that it will uh, make the cut in terms of like, again, it's a little woman. So just like I'm going to fight for a bunch of little one, uh, moments, but I don't think this one will make it. Um, and that's there's a girl. And this is when the women uh, of the March women storm the, the Lawrence house. Um, so this is the scene in which um Timothy Chalamet's character, Lori, spots a girl crying outside of his house after, during his tutoring session, and that girl is Florence Pugh's Amy. <laughs> and I just love this scene because Florence Pugh is just a comedic genius in this scene. She delivers this line with such the, with such a conviction and so such like this childish brattiness that you just can't help but laugh. And um, I honestly think it's like my favorite moment of hers in the movie, but, um, and then a it continues and you see the rest of the March sisters kind of take over the Lauren's house and this sort of warm buzz of, of overlapping chatter and dialogue um, in, invade this empty, quiet house. And I just love how that plays out. And um, it kind of like embodies like what the who the March sisters are and how why the Lawrences are so drawn to them. But um, it's uh, it's one of many great moments in Little Woman, but I don't think it will make the, the list so i will cut it unless there are any objections uh i'm the other biggest fan here hd and uh i think we can cut it uh, in fact while we're here on little women there are still one two three four five moments i think while we're here we should cut some of these out because we're not, not, yeah. not these aren't gonna make it that's fine oh actually uh, the, one thing i think we should cut is bob odenkirk comes home in little women because i think that's part of the joe walks down the stairs twice sequence that's not what I was thinking of when I added oh. Sarah's sequence, but yeah, I think Bob McCurk coming home is a great moment, but doesn't make it. I also think yeah, Joan... I'm yeah. oh, sorry, this, yeah, the stairs we're talking about is when she comes down for her sister's uh, like illness twice, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like... it's, it's a scene that makes the best use of the cutting between past and present. Yeah. Because the first time she goes on the stairs, it's filmed in such warm light and such energy. She comes home, down, comes down and finds her sister alive miraculously, and then... It's almost the exact same shot, but in colder colors. She walks down much more slowly, and her sister's passed away. Yeah. And it's the juxtaposition of the of the timelines is never more powerful than it is there. And it's the idea that within individual moments, you know, places, people, things, they all exist when, when they become memories. You know, they the, the the bad intermingles with the good, and they, they all exist together. And the movie's about that in so many ways. And yes. I think we we can cut every other little woman in a moment except for this one. Um. I might fight you on that, but I want to say that the Bob Odenkirk moment is part of the sequence because he appears during the first part of the sequence after she comes down the first time and, like, there's the warmth and, like, everything starts to miraculously uh, come together and, like, he comes home and they share Christmas dinner together before it cuts to the part mm -hmm. when she comes back. When she comes yeah, I put, again. I put Odenkirk on there and forgot that it was within that, that same moment, so. Yeah. All right, Sarah, so H.E., are there any others in Little Women here while we're cutting that you wouldn't right. mind getting rid of? We can cut the Joe and Laurie dance because it's a really small moment that I find really delightful, but it's not something that's like most amazing parts of Little Women. Um, but I will argue for Joe's monologue. All right. I'll let you argue for that momentarily, but can we cut Amy's marriage speech then? Oh, but I really love that speech. I do too, but something's got to give. All right. That's fine. I just feel like there should be some Amy representation on here because she was such a standout in this film for me and uh, on equal terrain, if not even more so sometimes than Saoirse Ronan. So um, I just it makes me a little sad that we don't have as much of her in our moments. But all right, that's fine. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll consider that your first cut. So you have one, one more cut, then one more keep. What? That was like three <laughs> cuts. 
I know. You, you, Fine. You, you, yeah. We're, we're getting bloody, HG. We got to keep going. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to cut uh, Marta pukes for the final time and knives out. Mostly because I just... Okay. The puking gimmick I thought was fun, but I don't think it was the greatest part of Knives Out. So, and like, while that moment is really, it's like a nice sort of subversion of our expectations and it's a nice sort of uh, pulling the rug underneath of what's happening. Uh, I just uh, don't think the puking was, was that great. There are Knives Out moments on this list I'm ready to fight for uh, much harder than that one. So I concede. Cool. Anyone else? Cut. All right, cut. All right. Is she, uh, keep one now. I am going to keep the fight in Marriage Story. Um, as much as this has been memed, I think it's just a really powerful and uh, visceral and just heart-wrenching fight between that's uh, between Adam Driver's character and Scarlett Johansson's character, and they perform the hell out of it. It's something that feels like you're almost invading their personal space and uh, a voyeur of like this one couple's really intimate and yet incredibly universal fight. So um, I I, put, I vote that we put this on. Absolutely. Uh, I think there's never been a better depiction of two people armed with enough knowledge to hurt each other, really going at it. Like so many fights in uh, movies where like marriage are crumbling, like people who like despise each other and are just like, one's a, one's a villain, one's a hero. But in Marriage Story, it's two people who genuinely loved each other, who know each other's darkest secrets, are now weaponizing their former love in ways that wounds them both. And I think this is one of the absolute best teams of the year. Yes, cool. I completely, completely agree. Yeah, it should be on there. Okay. Marriage Story, welcome to the list. Brad. Okay. Um, let's... Let's see here. Um, I'm going to see what, what, you, what you guys think about this one. I think that... The scene um, in Booksmart, where uh, Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein accidentally, the, their porn gets played over uh, Jason Sudeikis's Uber or Lyft or whatever it is, is like one of the funniest scenes in the movie. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, a uniquely funny scene. I don't think we've really, there hasn't been any, a scene that's done that comedically before it's 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 modern um and it's uh, yeah that's, that's all i can really say about it this is an extremely funny moment one of the funniest scenes of, of the year uh i like the scene but there's a book smart moment above it that i like more that's not but the, but the book smart scene of it isn't really a scene but it's multiple scenes <laughs> right. and as much as i do love billy lord i think that i, I don't know I would also agree with Jacob because I liked every moment of Billy Lord more in Booksmart than a lot of the other moments. I I think this movie was fine, but um, I just I just love whenever Billy Lord was on screen. This movie was fine. This moment was fine. I said this moment was fine, Brad. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. But yes, I mean like. Wow. Sorry. (laughs) But yeah, I, I also agree with the. I think Billy Lord and Booksmart should go in. Versus this this moment. It might be a little too specific, Brad. I feel so betrayed. All right, I'm moving it to our in discussion section. Uh, Brad, go for no, another no, one. It's, it's fine. I'm actually willing to put all the, the Billy Lord stuff on the list in place of the other one, just as long as Booksmart gets some representation. Yeah, I, I think that 
we can pick an individual Billy Lord. See when we write this up. Uh, you can get more specific whoever grabs this. But Billy Lord in Booksmart needs to be on this list. Yeah, she was great. All right, so I'm adding Billy Lord to the list. Brings us, uh, oh, yeah, Brad, you still get the cut to still. Uh, cutting to cutting to. Um, I think. Man, this is this is getting tough now. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to figure out. You know, okay, so. Man. I. Hmm. I'm I'm gonna try to make a, a concession deal here. I don't know how it's gonna go, but we'll see how it goes. I think that we can. I I would like to cut the reveal of Brothor and Avengers Endgame. I love it so much. I think it's very funny. I think the scene itself takes an interesting turn because it shows the trauma that Thor has endured, and it's not just making him a joke as many people criticized. But if, but if we cut that, I think that we need to include Thor is still worthy in Avengers Endgame because I think that it completes that arc so perfectly and the just Chris Hemsworth plays it so well. Like There's such pure elation and satisfaction and joy on his face when Mjolnir arrives in his hand and he realizes that he's still worthy to wield it despite everything that he has, uh, the failure that he sees in himself and how he feels like he has just you know completely ru- ruined you know his life and everybody else's. So yeah, that's that's my proposal. I am okay cutting bro Thor. I I'm not too sure if I agree with Thor still being worthy being one of the fifty best. I like, I like I like to see I, a lot. I I don't know why we keep uh, nominating Avengers Endgame moments that aren't I am Iron Man because I feel like that moment is such a definitive moment not just of Avengers Endgame but of the year and I think, like I think Brad it's was saying we before, know it's going to be on there that's probably why no one's yeah. done it yet is it I mean somebody better fight for it I'd rather how many, I'd rather how many more do we that have one uh, let's see uh, currently we have locked currently on our list that could change if we decide to 20 out of 50 on the list Remaining in discussion that has not been talked about. Uh, sorry, guys. Thrilling radio. <laughs> thrilling radio. Uh, 80 more. Uh, more in discussion. One, two, three, four, five, six. So we, we need to cut like 66 more movies. Or like 56 oh more movies. All right. We should just start doing cuts only at this point, I think, or else we're going to we're never going to get done. Yeah, the next once uh, Brad and Ben finish their loop, we're gonna go back around and start rapidly cutting. So yes, so I'm going to double down on if we're gonna include another Avengers Endgame moment that we should include I am Iron Man and not Thor is still worthy because I like this moment, but I also was not really fond of the entire treatment of Thor, even though I think his arc works. I just think that a lot of it was treated as a joke. And even though this part was you know sincerely done, I just I think because the arc. For him entirely was just like so jokey. I just um, his, he was not one of my favorite parts of the movie. Well, that's false, but <laughs> <laughs> but I am Iron Man. I think should be in there. Uh, sure, sure, yeah. fine, fine. I'll 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 be the one that continues making all these concessions. How about we uh, for you for, for finish up your your round, Brad? We add I am Iron Man locked in. We all think it should be there, and we cut both the Thor scenes and just move on. 
Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fine. Just whatever. Just just fuck me, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Ben, how, keep one kill two. Uh, <clears throat> how about we keep Glasgow in Wild Rose, the final song of that movie, um, written or co-written at least by Mary Steenburgen of all people. Um, there's a really interesting story about that, that you can read about on the internet. Uh, but yeah, I thought this moment was a, a really satisfying emotional conclusion to this movie. Um, it's about this character who tries to play country, or she's like an aspiring country music star, and she's from Glasgow. And this song is about her home, and it's it's like this uh, realization in song form of um, all the themes that the movie has been presenting. So I thought it was is really really well done. Yeah, I nominated this scene because uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, where I watched this movie on a plane with very little expectations and I liked the movie for the most part until this scene came on and I just absolutely fell in love with the film and uh, this scene just like, it moved me to tears and I I just like, is so simply done and but yet so powerful and moving um, and the way that Jesse Buckley performs the song as well um, it just, uh, I can't describe, just like, it was something that was incredibly moving to me, and I think, um, something that I remembered a lot from just this past mm. year of movies. Lock it in, yeah. that's what I say. Uh, so to cut, how about we get rid of, uh, the monsters in the boardroom in Shazam. Uh, I know that was a very, you know, like, RoboCop-esque moment, um, but I just don't. I don't think Shazam has any moments, frankly, that deserve to be on the 50 best of 2019 list. Um, so, I don't know. I put this here, you're, you're right. I put this here just because I think the scene's a lot of fun. It's a weird, crazy horror movie moment uh, in the middle of this family-friendly superhero movie. I appreciate that. But yeah, I put it here so I can say that and then yeah. cut it immediately. So, uh, it's gone. I I'm, I support that, too, because I think there is a moment in Shazam that deserves to be oh on this boy. list. Hey, uh, but it's not that All one. right, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> so the then. other one that I want to cut is the reveal at the end of The Standoff at Sparrow Creek, which is another great movie that not enough people have seen or are talking about uh, from 2019. I'm not even going to <clears throat> excuse me, actually spoil what it is, but it's just... Um, it reframes everything that you've seen so far. It comes very, very late in the film. Uh, and it was a really great sort of shocking moment. So um, I really liked that moment at the time. But uh, looking at all the stuff that we have to cut here, there's no way this is going to make it. Yeah, it's a super good movie, but it wouldn't even be my pick for the best scene. And so, I, yeah, I think you're right. All right, we're back around. We need to chop a bunch of it out. So what we're going to do. We're going to go rapid fire down this list. Pick one to kill. We all say yes or no. We move on. Kill, 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 kill. We'll do this for a few rounds. If you forget where the meat is here, we need, we need to cut all the skin off, guys. So, Chris, what do you kill? I'm picking two, and it's the moments, both moments from Claws, which are on the list, which I, I liked Claws. It was a, it was so much better than I thought it was going to be, uh, but I don't think anything from that movie belongs on this list. Man, I, I don't know. I, I think that the... I don't know. I think just the repurposing of the Santa Claus myth and like it's such a it was surprisingly satisfying. It's a moving moment. And there's not a lot of animation representation on this list. And I think that movie really just has flown under the radar and deserves so much more love than, than it's been getting. All right. Well, is, is there one that you'd fight to keep, Brad, over the other? Um, the are, I, get to, I get to see my friend and Claus tells his story of the two moments. I, I, I think for me personally, I think that learning like the like claws story is the one that is the mo most powerful um and and moving of of the two if i had Ditch to pick. the other one I would so we'll cut the other, 
Okay, so that's Chris's cut. Uh, back to me. Uh, I'm going to cut something really good. Um, I'm going to cut um, the cop who doesn't want to deal with the shit in Good Boys. The cop who's in the gas station. He's just gotten off his shift. And these terrible, these, these really innocent little kids keep on making, doing illegal things in front of him. He does not want to have to do his job, but they keep on making it harder on him. It's incredibly funny. I think Good Boys is very funny, but uh, I'm cutting it. Yeah, I think Good Boys is really funny too. That's it's a bummer, but I uh, I won't fight you. Uh, H.C. I'm going to cut backup rides in Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker because <laughs> we don't need this moment. It feels like such a falsely emotional moment, and I don't think that it works at all in terms of just like suddenly everyone's here despite everyone not uh, answering their call in Last Jedi because Lando Calrissian called them and he's a war hero, but they wouldn't call listen to General Leia. I don't know. It just it just doesn't work for me, and um, I hated it. All right, it's gone. Uh, Brad, cut something. Oh, I would like to cut uh, Forky's Long Walk with Woody in Toy Story 4. Uh, very funny scene. Really gives you a sense of how great of a character Forky is. Uh, not one of the greatest scenes of the year. Yeah, it's very good, but it's gone. Okay, uh, next up is Ben. How about we cut... Um, let's see. <laughs> Damn it, HT. I was going to pick the Shazam thing, but I know you're going to fight me on that. Uh, all right, no. how about we cut the second half of Waves? Um, which I don't even know how many people here have seen Waves, but the movie just... It, it really takes a, a very sharp turn in its second half, and it's a very intense movie for the first half and a much more relaxed, laid back, um, almost uh, like warm movie in the second half. And just the, the dramatic shift there, um, I thought was worth remarking on, but uh, it's too vague to actually make this list. Yeah, I feel like if it was like more of a moment, it could be a whole half of the movie. So, all right, Chris, k- kill something. Uh, no offense to Mr. Alan Alda, who is a national treasure, but I would say cut his joke scene from uh, Marriage Story, even though it's a great scene and he's great in it. I feel like if we have to have one other Marriage Story scene on this list, it should be Adam Driver singing because that scene is incredible. And uh, between those two, I would cut this one. Yeah, I put Alan Alda here. I think it's the one scene in the movie where somebody's being completely truthful. Someone is like, who's seen the whole picture is being honest about it. Uh, and Alan Alda is such a beautiful, beautiful man. But you're right. Um, it's not the best moment for marriage story remaining on this list. So I am cutting it. Um, I'm going to go for the jugular on a movie everybody loves. Uh, Baby, you're out of time sequence from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I think you had this one, right, Chris? Oh, I did. And I don't want it to be cut. So don't do it. <laughs> All right. Then I'll cut something well, else. What? What's your reasoning behind cutting it? You don't like it, it or I think every scene in this movie's great and something yeah. has to go. I'm fine with that. Uh man. Alright. I, I would say we can cut it as long as we keep Sharon Tate going to the movies. Like that has to be on the list. But if you want to cut that instead, cut uh, the maybe our ad time scene, I mean. You know what? Um since you, I, I don't want to do anything that's gonna like have any kind of resistance right now. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna look at uh, I'm gonna cut the opening race from Ford v Ferrari. I think it's a really, really intense scene, but uh, it doesn't make the list. Anybody agree with that? Disagree? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. All right. It's gone. It's gone. All right. uh, HG, kill something. Uh, I want to cut Arno at Passover and Uncut Gems. I think this is a great moment where uh, you realize who Arno is and you're like, and it's uh, such a 
a surprise. Um, but I think if we're going to keep one scene from Uncut Gems, I think it should be The Door Won't Open because that was <laughs> yes. the most anxiety-inducing scene I've ever seen in, in theaters recently. Yeah, I think the reveal that Arno is not only his brother-in-law, but that he's less of an intimidating mob boss and more of the most infinitely patient guy in the world who's been dealing with his shitty brother-in-law for months is a great reveal. But yeah, there are Uncut Gems scenes that are better, so I'm going to chop it. All right, uh, Brad, kill something. Um, I am going to cut. Hmm. I think we can cut the second post-credit scene in Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yeah. Uh, which I, which if I remember correctly, it's the one where we learn we um, have the whole conversation with uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character and his sidekick, and we we realize that. Uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill are um, scrolls. Yeah, it's really cute, but it's gone. Uh, ben, uh, uh, leaning out of the car windows in Queen and Slim. Um, I think we can ditch that. It was it's a it's a beautiful moment, uh, and it, it in a movie that has a lot of really gorgeous imagery, but um, it's not going to make it. All right, back around. Chris, kill something. Uh, I put this on the list, so I'll cut it. Um... It's the scene where Tony Collette dies in uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, which is a movie I feel like everyone forgot came out last year. And I really like Velvet Buzzsaw. It's a fun, goofy, over-the-top horror comedy, but I feel like no one talks about this movie at all, so it's fine to cut this scene. All right, it is now gone. I'm going to cut... Um, there are three moments from Climax on this list. Uh, two of them are essentially the same moment. Uh, someone is on fire in Climax, and the camera turns upside down in Climax. They both come during the same nightmarish sequence toward the end of the film. So I'm going to cut Someone is on Fire so we can hopefully keep another one. Chris, I want to make sure you're okay with that since you do the other oh, big um, booster yes. for time last year. That okay. is fine. All right, HT, kill something. All right, I'm going to cut Javid's speech in Blinded by the Lights. I think Blinded by the Light is the best when it's a pseudo-musical. And while the speech is powerful and speaks to the immigrant, like, diasporic experience uh i don't remember a lot of it uh yeah i'm the one who put that on there that's fine but i do think then that born to run needs to be needs to make this list all right we'll have that conversation in a little bit uh brad kill something um i would like to kill um i won't say that because someone was just saying that they think it's a great scene, and I just disagree. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that we can cut the wedding sequence in the farewell, because the entire sequence is great, um, but it is very broad, and I don't think that it's quite as powerful or uh, wonderful as the Tai Chi scene that we also have on this list. And I feel like if we're going to have two moments from the farewell, it should be the other one and not this one. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I like the sequence a lot just because it is that nice blend of, of comedy and sort of that melancholy, but uh, I, I think we can cut it. Okay, uh, How about Rose the Hat's astral projection in Doctor Sleep? I think that's like one of the most visually stimulating moments of the movie and uh, a really cool kind of visual moment, but um, <laughs> I just can't, I can't uh, see it making this list. That's so good. 
that is so I mean, good. I, I agree that it's cool. I just don't know if it's... Like, the, the Danny Torrance stuff is the heart of the movie, and Rose the Hat is kind of... All of the villains in, in Doctor Sleep are just a little too ridiculous for their own good, I think. Chris, are, are you okay cutting this? Can you make me feel better about this? I would argue that if anything from Doctor Sleep needs to be on the list, and it does, it would be the the, the Jack Torrance scene, because that scene should not have worked, and it works so well. So I would say if we got to keep one thing from that movie, it would be that and not this. Even though I love Rebecca Ferguson with all my heart and soul. Sorry, Rebecca. Call me. All right. Let's cut Rose the Hat, but, uh, but we'll discuss uh, Jack Torrance momentarily. All right, Chris, let's do one more round of kills. Okay. Ah, uh, hmm. <laughs> uh, man. I have one that I know people are going to push back at, so I'm not going to pick it because I'm, I'm heartless. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, oh, man. I don't know. This is tough. How about this? Uh, I've been taking a mental note of certain things we've been, we've been saying as we've been doing this. And there's some scenes that I feel like people have come out and said, I want this on the list without making an argument for it yet. So yeah. I'm going to run, run down a few of these. I, I think that people, I think we all can agree. Just get them out of the way. I okay. think Daniel Craig realizing his case is a donut hole and knives out makes this list. I love yes. that scene so Do much. Absolutely. <laughs> that was the one yeah. I was going to nominate. Which right. one, though? Because there's the part where you talk about the donut hole in the car. The second donut hole one. Yeah, second, yeah second, second donut hole. All right. Make sure you clarify that for the list because yeah. there are two Yeah, scenes. just to clarify, we are talking about the one where it's like a donut in, within a donut. Yeah, that one. I okay. also, I, I just want to say one more great thing about that scene is that you can see like Keith Stanfield just putting his hand, head in his hands when he's saying that speech, and I love that little detail. Uh, I think the door won't open in Uncut Gems makes this list. Yes. Yes. Do it. Yeah, the, the, the most stressful scene of last year. I could like I had to watch it through my fingers. Uh, I nominate Joe walks down the stairs twice in Little Women because I agree with you wholly about what you're saying, Jacob. And it's the one that hits so much harder because of Greta Gerwig's structural um, reworking of this film, and it's just so devastating and so beautiful. I think we keep that one. We cut the Joe's monologue. Ah, I love Joe's monologue. You have to make sacrifices, HT. Fine, fine. But I do want to say one great thing about Joe's monologue is that this is a, a speech taken verbatim from Louisa May Alcott. And the only thing that Greta Gorg added to this speech is the final line in which Joe says, but I'm so lonely. And it just hits so much harder because of that line and, and brings that modern edge that everyone has been talking that Little Men does. But it also highlights how much of a progressive Louisa May Alcott was and how her ideas were so ahead of her time. I just want to say that this is such a great scene because of how it doesn't, um, you know, reduce women down to can they marry? Should they marry? Uh, are they, do they revolve around love or do they revolve around their career? Like they can have all of those things or, or none of them. And I think it's so great. And I just love this moment. And I, I, don't hate you all for cutting it, but I just want to say that it's a great moment. You should watch Little Woman, Chris. My one argument, HD, uh, is that I think that uh, Joe negotiates your happy ending touched on this in a way that make, it serves all parties here. Yes, you're right. All right, it's fine. <laughs> all right. Uh, Dan Torrance almost has a drink with his father in Overlook Hotel from Doctor Sleep. Should be on this list. I agree, because like I said, this should not have worked. It, it's a really... It's it's in theory a terrible idea to recast Jack Nicholson, but they really actually make it work. So I I would vote for it. 
Yeah, it's the heart of the movie. The movie hinges on him saying no to that drink in the place that destroyed his life. They've been rebuilding from for you know thirty years. Uh, ben, I know you're more lukewarm on this movie than uh, than Chris and I. I feel like Doctor Sleep is good enough to to deserve some representation on this list. So uh, I, I like that moment. I think we can do that. Okay, I'm putting Doctor Sleep into our list. I think uh, looking at us, us should be on this list, right, guys? I think so. Yeah, we yes. gotta pick a moment though. So here are the yes, moments yes, I, yes. I put down. The first home invasion, referring specifically to when the, um, the, the tethered first arrived, that whole nightmare sequence with Pia Nyong'o menacing them. The second home invasion, where um, their neighbors are attacked and you realize that's a whole epidemic and not just one isolated thing. And Hands Across America, the final shot of the movie. Oh, you see the thousands of tethered all holding hands over the hills. If I had to pick one, I'd pick Hands Across America. I want to hear from you guys. I would go with the second home invasion, honestly, but I also am fine if I was you want to keep say second home invasion as well. Uh, uh, HT and Brad, I need to hear from you here. I, I want to. Oh, go ahead, Brad. I was going to say, what if we just combine the home invasion scenes into one thing? They're so far apart that we but can't they're call really them. Far apart, yeah. yeah we, we can't call yeah. them a moment. Yeah. I guess so. Um, yeah, I personally think that the. Um, yeah, I think I agree with Chris. I think the second home invasion is the best best out of those three for me. I have to agree with the majority here with the second home invasion. I like the image of the Hands Across America. I think it was really striking, but I didn't exactly know what to make of it. I mean, I think that it's great that it's open to interpretation, but I just think that the second home invasion plays out so well, especially with Elizabeth Moss's sort of... Um, really preening character and uh, that and her whole family and that just bloodbath that ensues. So I'm going to vote for second home invasion. Sorry, right. Jacob. How about we cut initial home invasion, but keep okay. second home invasion and hands across America. But you're the only one arguing for hands <laughs> nice try, Jacob. because you're the one who's moderating this discussion. You can't, you can't use that power to uh, just push movies up okay. or push moments up. All right. You know what? I'm putting Second Home Invasion into the list because clearly that's where everybody's heart lies. However, I am going to put Hands Across America into in discussion okay. maybe a little bit later on because I think that's one of the most ambiguously creepy and powerful closing sequences of any film this year. All right, let's keep on hammering away at this list. Um, does the fuck box from High Life make the list? <laughs> I'm the one who nominated it and I think it was such a strange uh, moment that uh, also became a talking point uh, that I think it, it deserves a spot. And just the, the, the weird, I don't know, I, I guess I can't really go into it without describing it in detail, which I don't really want to do. Um, but who else has watched High Life and wants to speak on this? Uh, I saw it. Um, <laughs> I guess it, be- it, it, I guess it belongs in there because it's so... Weird. I saw it, I but I don't know if it belongs in here. All right, I can. I'm all right with cutting it. I just wanted to give a shout out to one of the most bizarre moments on screen I've seen, and um, something that will haunt me for for many days and many many weeks to come. Okay, I'm gonna cut something. Just get this going. Um, Henry Ford II is taken for a ride in Ford v Ferrari. The scene oh. Was, oh, you want to fight fun, Brad? Yeah, I I think that honestly I think that's the best scene in the movie. I love it's that really scene good. so much. It's really good, and it's so much I better agree. than the trailer. The trailer made it look like a big comedic beat, like he's bursting the tears, he's being driven in a fast car. When the actual movie scene is Henry Ford II bursting the tears, 
he's overwhelmed because he wishes his father could see what automobiles have become. And it's such a incredible, like, sweet moment in a movie as, as yeah. a, you know, macho. And and Tracy Letts is so good in that scene, too. Okay, I was, I was prepared to let this go, but there's there's support now. So, does this make the list? I think it should. I I, I agree. It's, I think it's the best scene there. Put it on there, all right. Welcome to the... Uh, Tracy Letts is now in two scenes in our top 50 guys. Oh, this, yeah! This is the Little Women um, scene. So there are two Jojo Rabbit uh, moments on this list. Um, we have Jojo ties his mother's shoes, which is a heart-wrenching moment where he um, finds his mother dead uh, from hanging and fixes her shoes for her after an entire movie of him not being able to tie his own shoes. And then Fuck Off Hitler, where he uh, kicks his imaginary Hitler friend out the window in the end of the movie, which is a very cathartic, funny moment. Two very different moments that like I think sum up what Jojo Rabbit is all about. Do either or both or neither of these scenes make the list? I vote for Jojo Ties as Mother's Shoes because it's as gutting as it is. Um, it is is something that is led up to through like the visuals of the shoes that you see frequently throughout the film. It's kind of like the last beat in terms of like all the beats leading up to it. And um, not only in terms of like him not being able to tie his shoes, but you see you a lot of the scenes she's introduced by her shoes. And um, I, I think that this just is like this big culmination uh, of that uh, of the of those visual uh, motifs, as well as the um, the end of his childhood, as I, as you would say, like this, his shoes, the shoes and everything up to it was always really colorful and saturated. And then after this this moment, um, it's like that color goes out of the world. And I, I think it's a really powerful and really important moment in this in this film. Yeah, as I, I think I'm probably the biggest fan of Jojo Rabbit on this on staff. I, I personally think both should be on there, but if we're only going to choose one, I do agree with uh, Jojo tying his mother's shoes because it's. I think what I love most about it too is just how shocking of a visual it is. It just comes out of nowhere and punches you right in the gut, and I love that it never shows you uh, his mother's you know full body hanging there. It's always just at her feet with those shoes, and it's it's such an incredible. Uh, just work of visual storytelling. I also want to give a shout out. I, I didn't nominate this, but I, I want to give a shout out to another scene in Jojo Rabbit that we didn't nominate. Um, and that's the final scene in which he and oh, I forgot the name of the, the Jewish girl are um, after the, um, the city is uh, invaded. They dance at the end. I, I love that little moment. So I just want to give a shout out to that scene. Yeah, I thought about adding it, but uh, I, I thought "fuck off, Hitler" was was better. <laughs> uh, how how about we put Jojo Tysman's shoes into our top fifty and put "fuck off, Hitler" into our in discussion column for now? Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right, um, so we're making a lot of headway now. We're we're moving. Uh, I'm going to cut something. Propose a cut that I did not think I'd I'd be suggesting, but looking at this list now, um, I'm not so sure if "Show Yourself" from Frozen Two makes the list. I think it's the best musical number in the movie. I think it's a really tremendous song, uh, but I'm looking at everything else and I'm just thinking, man, is there room for Frozen Two here? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Frozen Two makes the cut. I don't know. I love Frozen Two. I, I wasn't into the unknown on this list. Did it get cut and I missed it? Oh, I, 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 I wrote into the unknown instead of Show Yourself because Show Yourself is a better song. I just got it mixed up. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I personally think Into the Unknown is better. So that's just, I'm, I, yeah. Scrap it, Jacob. Oh, yeah, I hate doing it, but okay. Um, Chris, there are two scenes in Climax here. The camera turns up to down in Climax, and the opening dance number in Climax. 
pretty much the opposite end of the movie. Uh, the opening number is, of course, everyone being introduced to their various dance styles all in one static shot. And it's really dynamic and colorful and fun. And the camera turns upside down. It's very late after all the dancers have uh, been drugged and everything's gone to hell and everybody's dying and everybody's on fire. And the camera stays upside down for a very long time to the point where you get uncomfortable and disoriented and really genuinely sick by watching it. I think they're both incredible scenes. What do you think, Chris, about adding one or other? I would honestly probably go with the opening just because it, it, it immediately pulls you into this movie and it, it's like almost endless, like this endless dance number. And it's, you have your, I remember when I saw it, I was like, is the whole movie just this? Are like they ever going to stop dancing? And I feel like that alone is like, it just sets you up for what's coming sort of. So I would go for that. Is that that's, how I felt about, oh. that's how I felt about cats too, actually. <laughs> Is it, is it also your scene climax? Between I have. Like, H.C., what do you think? I really love this. Um, I I like both the moments. I don't know which one I would choose of the other. Um, but I have to say, I I think I'm leaning more towards the opening dance number because it's so striking and just, like, pulls you immediately into the film. Um, I do love when the camera turns. Oh, God, no. I'm sorry. I'm really terrible at deciding this. Uh, opening dance number. All right. I'm going to put them both into in discussion for now. Is because I want, I want, I want, I want, my ideal here is to move as much as we can into in discussion or under the list and just get the bottom of the list cleaned out as much as we can, as fast as we can, because we're going very long here. Um, all right, who else here has seen Peanut Butter Falcon? I have. Um, I like this movie a lot. It's so much better than it should be. Uh, I added one scene here, which is everyone gets drunk. Did you add the wrestling <clears throat> match, Brad? I did. Uh, how about we hold hands and kind of both? Oof. Yikes! <laughs> this, this this movie is I, I, this, I think this movie is so refreshing and so different from everything else that came out this year that I I would be remiss if we didn't put one of these moments on the list. All right, well, I'm I'm I think everyone gets drunk scene where they where they um where where Shia LaBeouf uh, and his friend uh, I can't remember the actor's name I apologize I don't have IMDb in front of me um who, who I actually believe it, uh, Zach Gostigan yeah yeah Gostigan um. Who uh, actually is disabled in real life, and the, the movie's about his disability in many ways. But he's an incredible performer, and him and Shia LaBeouf have such incredible chemistry. And they just get incredibly drunk on the beach and uh, brainstorm his wrestling name and co- cover him in peanut butter and, and leaves. And it's just this really sweet, wonderful scene. And I, that's my pick here. I think the wrestling match is fun at the end of the movie, but I think the heart of the movie is Shia LaBeouf and Zach on the beach, you know, bouncing off each other. I do love their chemistry, but I think that there's so much uplift, like the, the that wrestling scene is so uplifting, and I was genuinely surprised that like it it brought tears to my eyes, it's just because Zach is so good in this movie and in that scene, um, and I just yeah I, I was very surprised at just how good that that movie was, um, based on you know a premise that feels like it's almost like a Sundance gimmick, and it was uh, it was so great. All right, I move them both into in discussion for now to so keep this moving. All right, guys. Um, one scene from the perfection should be on this list, I right? I think the final shot should be. Yeah, the two options of perfection is the first time time rewinds in the perfection, uh, which is when he first has to realize the movie actually is, and the final shot, uh, which is one of the most macabre things I've ever seen in an American film. Uh, who here has, has seen the perfection? No, HT has. Uh, Chris has, right? What movie? I'm sorry. Uh, the perfection. Yes. Uh, what, do you, what do you think between the time time rewinding or the final shot? Or none of them, if you don't like either of them. Uh, I think the time rewind is probably the more the bigger like WTF moment. So maybe that. 
uh, HT, do you have a preference here? Uh, or neither. Say if you hate this movie. I know you don't, but if you do, I, I mean, I don't dislike this movie, but I have to say I don't think it left as much of an impact on me as it did for you and Ben. So I'm just gonna withhold <laughs> my nomination. I, yeah, I think for me, if I were to pick one, I would, I would pick the final shot. But um, this movie is like I don't know. It just kind of came and went for me. So I don't really know why it didn't really impact me as much. Yeah, I, this movie I think about it often. I think it's such a mm. twisted thing. Uh, Brad, did you ever see The Perfection? No, I haven't gotten around to it yet, and I regret it. I really need to. All right, I'm going to pop these up to in discussion for now. Um, let's start chopping things. Everybody start, throw out some stuff to chop from this bottom list. Let's, let's, kill, let's kill this list. It's all a video a video game in Serenity. That movie is trash. <laughs> all right, no. Wait, hold on. This movie is terrible, but this moment, I feel like, was such a hot-button moment because it was so bizarre and such a, a strange twist um, in that needs to be on this in the 2019 moments just because you know you know jacob had that had prompt of bad movies that nonetheless had great moments and i don't know if i would call this a great moment either but it was definitely one of the most memorable and impactful moments um i've had in 2019 i remember watching this moment and just whispering to myself what the fuck because it's just so bizarre and i i gotta say it 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 changed me and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say this one may belong in the top fifty. It's it's lobster tank from Venom scene of two thousand nineteen. It is, it is the Tom Hardy gets a lobster tank uh, a special award. Um, Not it only is, is he in a video game, he's in a fishing video game. Yes. All right, uh, you know what? Put it on the it damn list, true. and one of you two write about it. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's Serenity. Yeah, it belongs. I will kill a lot of moments before I kill the Serenity <laughs> video game moment. Uh, how Dick Long okay. died in the death of Dick Long. That that should probably go, Jacob. I know oh. you you and I. Oh, oh man. No, I love that look too. Look at how many moments we have left. There's no way that's gonna make it, right? The movie is it's it's so unique and dark I agree. And it's like twisted. one of the funniest movies of the year, but I just don't know. That, that monologue. If I if I, I guess I'm not sure if we need to spoil it here since make a cut. But uh, if I described to people who have not seen it, I'm assuming HG and Chris, what how dick long died they would think oh this sounds like a really bad joke it sounds like a really lousy dumb joke but it's played with such heartfelt sincerity and the movie takes it so seriously to the point where like you're asked to you're asked the question oh my god what will this actually be like if this actually happened to someone i know i can't get over how good it is <sighs> all right leave it on there we gotta but, make some cuts though i, I don't i i, don't, I, I still I don't know. I'm not prepared to let Dick Long die yet. I, I can't do it. Uh, okay, I'm going to cut one. Uh, Frank's, Frank walks us through a murder prep in The Irishman. This is where he's pre- preparing a murder. He lays out all the guns in the bed, and his opening narration walks us through his decision-making uh, for picking guns, for picking location, for picking approach. It's a really, really good scene, um, but it's a very traditional Scorsese in a movie where the better moments are you know, maybe a bit more unique for this kind of film. Yeah, I'd say cut it. Chris, do you have permission to cut this one? Yeah, that's fine. All right. What about the fish scene from the Irishman? I think you add this one, Chris. I really think that should be on the on the list just because it's so <laughs> memorable and funny. And I, I, yeah. Remind me of the scene again? I'm sorry. I just slipped my mind a little bit. It's the build up to the Jimmy Hoffa murder scene where uh, Jesse Plemons picks them up in his car and oh yeah yeah just okay. talking nonstop about how he had this fish and it's this really 
weird off kilter comedic moment right before uh, a harrowing one, and I I I really loved it. But uh, the reason yeah. the reason I like the scene that it didn't it didn't ping for me, but I remember it vividly now, is that that's the part of the movie where um, the Archman is so fast in his first two hours, like jumping through years and months, you know, with single cuts. And suddenly you're left to linger in these awkward moments for the first time in the entire movie. For for the first time, like the stuff that should have been cut out is suddenly there, and in a way that makes you feel how painful the buildup is. So, yeah, I don't think I'm ready to cut that either. Now that you now, now we remember what it is. <sighs> okay, the auction uncut gems. I think we should we. It's really really good, but the more intense, better scenes are already on our list. Agreed. Yes, yeah. agreed. Um, the uh, okay. The back, behind the back lightsaber pass in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, I don't think it hangs at this point. I'm fine with the Jedi voices making the list. I mean, I, I prefer the lightsaber moment, but if we're going to just like add another Rise of Skywalker moment just to do it, then yeah, you guys can basically pick one and like Brad can probably pick one because I think of everyone here, even though Brad didn't love the movie, he, he's probably the closest to Peter in terms of like at least respecting a little bit of it. Um, so uh yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm ultimately fine with either of those being on there, but uh, I don't feel good about either of them at this point. I feel like we've reached a point in this discussion where if Peter was here, things would be different. We could hear someone passionate about it, but he's not. And I, I read his piece, and I feel like maybe even both of them get cut at this point. I mean, whatever passion I had for at the beginning for Jedi voices. Looking at where our list is now, I I think we I I'm hey, okay with me. I just thought we were yeah. I'm fine with that too. <laughs> okay. I I, going through my support I, for Jedi voices, I think it made no sense in terms of the context of why she would be hearing all the voices of the Jedi when there was no establishment that they had some sort of. I mean, I guess there's the Force, but like that she was able to connect with them in some sort of a way, such an intimate way before, but. I Anyways. mean, there, 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 there is a setup earlier in the beginning of the movie that does mm. it, but it is, it is very quick, and it's not, it, 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 like most of the moments in Rise of Skywalker, it doesn't give you enough time to sit with it to really understand what's going on, and it just all happens too fast to really resonate. Um, if I were to fight for one, it would, it would be Jedi voices, and I, I do feel bad because I feel like since Peter's not here, he's not being fully represented, and so like, I, if I were to fight somewhat for i would say it's the jedi voices because i think that that means a lot more in the overall all arc of star wars and this new trilogy than just the lightsaber pass um so yeah that that's my two cents it sounds like we cut them both yeah if nobody else Sorry. i mean if, if brad's the only one to stick up for jedi voices and peter's not here i i guess that's what we do i don't know cut them <laughs> We're going to get right. so many angry emails. Yeah, people, people are mad at us. People Honestly, really I'd be fine putting the lightsaber scene on the list. I think that's a really cool scene, but that's that's me. I don't even remember it at all. It's, that movie has has gone from my brain, except for the stuff that pissed me off. So, <laughs> Honestly, for, yeah, for me, the coolest part of that scene isn't even the fact that, that she passes a lightsaber. Is that as soon as he draws it out, Adam Driver has this moment where he goes, yeah, that's right, I just did that. And then he starts fighting everybody. <laughs> Is that the one where he shrugs? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm fine with the shrug. Uh, no. <laughs> Kylo Ren shrug. It is Kylo like Ren one of the shrug. most genuinely cool moments in the movie, but I don't know. No. <laughs> All right. How about how about this? How about we cut both Rise Skywalker scenes? And let's add a add... scene with Bob Frick. <laughs> uh, but add Adam Driver's scenes in Marriage Story. 
Yes. I'm fine with that. Yeah, see, I, I, I'll get outvoted on this, but I don't understand why everyone is ranting and raving about this scene either. I have the same feelings about this one as I do about that, the song from Parasite. I, I think Adam Driver is great in the scene, and I do think that it's it's nice, but I, I, I'm just not, uh, you know, so caught up in it. Here's my reasoning, Brad, um, which is, one, uh, Adam Driver is giving it all in this, in this scene. It's really beautiful to see him sing. But also, there are... We, the two, two of the last times we see him and Carl Johansson's character, they're both singing Stephen Sondheim songs. They're both theater kids. They're both theater people. They're both actors. And no matter what divides them now, they're still connected by, you know, this shared love's brought them together. And as he sits there singing to his, to his friends, you know, Stephen Sondheim show tunes, he's still connected to his wife, who's singing to her family, you know, back in, in California, another Stephen Sondheim song. And it's just this invisible connection that's drawing them together in a way that is quietly unspoken. And I really, really like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness, guys. All right. Let's All right, start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. bite the bullet and uh, cut a scene from Parasite as much as it pains me. Because we do have a lot of parasites on here. And uh, all right, here, I'm going to do it. <laughs> the, tuber- the tuberculosis heist in Parasite. As much as I love, love, love this scene, um, and I think it plays out like a perfectly orchestrated and perfectly choreographed ballet, uh, I do think that there is more depth and more um, just of a thematic residence with the under the coffee table scene in Parasite, which has the same level of suspense. Um, and as I think that tuberculosis, I can't speak, tuberculosis heist in Parasite is just so phenomenal and fun to watch. Uh, it's, it's a little bit on the lighter side because it comes before that, that big twist. So I'm okay with cutting it. How about we cut that one and put the other three moments up into our in discussion column? Okay. All right. Let's start working our way down this list, guys. Let's just, let's just let's just hammer it down. The final shot in Knives Out, where Marta raises her mug and it says "My house," while the family looks on from below her, is really really good. Is it on our list? I love that shot. I say yes. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think Knives Out's ending belongs on the list. All right, keeps moving. They go to court in Marriage Story. This is an amazing scene where their where their lawyers argue for them while they both stare at the ground, ashamed to be hearing everything. All the insults and slander being yelled about them. Really incredible moment. We already have two marriage moments, marriage story moments on the list. Should we cut it? I think we're cut yes. It. Yes. I think it's I think this moment is compounded by the fight scene which appears right after and it just kind of doesn't replay it, but it just uh it digs the knife in further. Yeah. Uh, the movie making montage and Dolomite is my name. I love this movie. I but it's a movie that like I'm not sure if a single sequence stands out to me, and this is the one that I put on the list to try to represent it. What do you guys think? Oh, I love this sequence. Is this the one where they're making the movie and um, the director, played by Wesley Snipes, is like, this does this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And yeah. um, yeah. you got it? Yeah. yeah. I, I, that sequence is so fun. And I yeah, do I, love a I good movie-making montage. Yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable cutting that one yet. Okay, uh, how about Ben and Chris? You guys know it yet? Uh, yeah, I saw it. I, I love the movie. Um. I just haven't seen it since TIFF, so this isn't like fresh in my mind, but I'm not against putting it on the list. All right. I'm going to bump it up to in discussion for now, but I think that one may, I think one has a very strong chance of making the list. All right. Let's trim down these once upon a time in Hollywood scenes. We have one, two, three, four, five here. 
All of oh, them yeah. belong on the list. I, <laughs> we have I one on the list already. Can I, can I first uh, make an argument for Rick and Cliff watch FBI? Yes. <laughs> because, all right, I think I'm the one who is the least warmed once upon a time in Hollywood, and I apologize. I just, this is a movie that I couldn't quite connect with, even though I loved all the separate moments. For some reason, the entire film didn't really gel for me, but I really liked the moments when it was just Rick and Cliff hanging out being bros, and I think that was embodied the most when they're just watching an episode of the FBI that Rick is starring in, and they're just complimenting each other and saying, yeah, nice, or great jump. And I I just would watch an entire two-hour movie of that sequence. It's really good. I really, really like it. God, I, I love that moment, too. I was going to propose that the Sharon invites Rick inside at the very end, and then Sharon goes to the movies, be just, like, instantly catapulted into the list, and then everything else get deleted, just because there's so many moments from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that we all love that, that could make this, and those are the I... two, for me, that, like, represent what the movie uh, is trying to do. Um, but HT's you know uh speech about rick and cliff reminded me of just like how in- like purely enjoyable it is to just watch those two actors play those characters so i don't know how we're gonna handle this guys can i just say i don't really get the appeal of the sharon tate goes to the movies scene. oh it's the best scene in the I'm movie sorry. i like i like the her inviting rick at the end because it's almost like this fairy tale ending and the pearly gates you know, opening. Um, but I just don't really get the appeal of her watching herself on the screen. I just, I think so... it's a fine scene. Oh. I mean, it's like, I, I get the whole thing of like, oh, you know, it's Sharon Tate. We get to see her in her life. Maybe it's because I don't have that cultural connection to Sharon Tate to the 60s. My family didn't really grow up, up here in that time. And I only really learned of the Manson murders, like, a couple years ago, so I never really had that connection. That's why, like, this one time in Hollywood never um, uh, stuck with me. But the Sharon Tate scene, it's like, it's fine. And I like that, Mar- how Margot Robbie uh, performs it. Um, I do think there is a funny sort of disconnect when she's watching herself on screen, and it's obviously Sharon Tate and not Margot Robbie. But um, yeah, this one, this scene just that's, doesn't really do that, it for me. But that's what makes the scene so good is that she's watching the real Sharon Tate. And it's like this weird meta moment where even though she is Sharon Tate, she's watching the real Sharon Tate. And it's just this, so like this pure joyful, it's like the heart of the whole film in, in my opinion. And that's kind of why I really like, if anything else from that movie gets cut, I feel like this is the thing that belongs on the list the most. It's, I think it's probably the wrong time to say this, but I was going to come in and say, we should keep Rick Dalton break down in his trailer and cut everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, just put like... all the goddamn scenes on the list. Right. We all, all are all going into... for this uh, every scene in this uh, list, basically. I put them all into in discussion. Um, <laughs> tai Chi in the farewell. Um, I think we should put this into discussion. I really like this scene. Uh, I'd be yeah. fine yeah, cutting it, honestly. No, but I love even this though scene. I love this movie, but all right, all right. There's right. right. enough people wanting it. I'm putting it in discussion. All right, HT, here's your chance. Danny's group cry in Midsummer. You have 30 seconds. Go. Okay. Um... <laughs> This is the scene that really sold the movie for me in terms of like why Danny should stay and why this is actually her people, her community. And it's the idea of shared grief and shared trauma and that they can cry together. They when when she is crying, these big, huge, body shattering sobs, everyone else starts sobbing with her in time. And I think it plays so well to how real life 
uh, you know, breakups or grief happens and that people share in that trauma with you. And that's how you form communities and form uh, connections. And I think that it's so powerful to me. And uh, Florence Pugh just delivers the hell out of the scene. She's such a great crier. And um, yeah, that's my pitch for Danny's group cry in Midsummer. Lock in the damn top 50, I think. Yes. Yeah, do it. Yay! Chris, Brad? Yeah, I, I'm not against it, no. Yeah, sure. Okay, okay uh, the Stanley cameo on Captain Marvel. Cut it! I don't even remember it. I don't even remember what the cameo was. It's, right, it's the one where he's, he's on the bus and he's reading the mall rat script and Captain Marvel gives him like a, a cute little like, oh, hey. Because oh. it was the first one after he died. Literally, the scene is like, he's dead now, but here he is. And it's like, I, I get it. He's a legend, but we don't we don't need yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an, it's a very amusing cameo, and I do like it, but I, yeah, I don't think it's one of the best scenes of the year. Yeah, um, it's not even the best. It's not even close to being the, even the best Stanley cameo. So, all right, cutting that. Woody says goodbye in Toy Story Four. My heart wrenched, but does it make the list? I, th- I personally, I, I I would say it makes the list just because I think it's impressive enough that it overcame everyone's thought that the sequel wasn't even necessary, and the fact that this movie was still able to pull at our heartstrings at the very end after how great of an ending Toy Story 3 was is quite an achievement in itself. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it should be on the list. I don't even remember. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I was the only person on the planet who didn't love this movie, So, but I'm not going to fight against it either. I I like this moment, and I also was very skeptical of Toy Story 4 not, and, and was surprised how much it worked for me. But his, his goodbye also is very similar to his goodbye in Toy Story 3. Uh... Yeah, I'm going to put it in, in discussion. We'll see if it makes the top 50 in a moment. All right, the Nymphomaniac joke in Good Boys. This is the hardest I laughed at an individual joke in 2019. Does anybody else think this is a good joke? Yeah, it's it's so. <laughs> I just remembered it. It is so so good. I yeah. <laughs> it means she has sex on land and on water. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't uh, even, even seen Good Boys actually, but I remember this joke from the trailers or from a clip, and it's just one of the funniest jokes that I heard last year. So. Look, look I would make a hard push for this being the top fifty if I had support, but I need to have your support to make that push. You have my support simply because there's not really a lot of comedic moments that are on this list, and that that bums me out. Um, so I, I I'll make I make a big push for it because of that. Uh, I would I guess I would rather that be on there than a lot of other stuff that we've talked about. So go for it. All right, I'm taking this little victory and putting the Nymphomaniac joke from Good Boys into our top fifty. All right, time runs out for the family and Ready or Not. Uh, I know Chris saw this. Who else saw it? Ready or Not. I saw it. I love this. Movie. I did it. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah, this movie is so shocking and insane and bloody and awesome. Yeah, I'm referring in particular to at the very end where the family's been hunting Samara weaving through their house as part of a deranged ritual, and you learn at the very end that the ritual was real. They do have a, do have a curse with the devil, and uh, once they fail the killer, they all start exploding into massive piles of gore. And it's incredibly satisfying and very very funny. Uh, I, I would like to see this on the top 50. This is, this is what I think this list is for. Ready or not, it's not going to make any other lists anywhere else uh, on the internet. But this moment is really, really great. I also love that final moment of her coming out of the house all disheveled. I think, is the house burning? I think it's burning. Yeah, the house is on fire. The house is burning. And fire. It's, it's, it's a moment that reminds me so much of the end of Heather's. And I, I'm not saying I, I love the scene because of Heather's, but it, 
it has like that sort of iconic um, imagery to it. All right. Would anybody be opposed to this making a top 50? No. All right. Ready or not, welcome to the top 50. Okay. Um, this is one I added. Uh, the Ferryman in Animal Comes Home. The movie is essentially a a, tra- a series of trailers for upcoming Conjuring spinoffs. Uh, the Ferryman is a legitimately scary monster. He's really creepy. He's the best part of the movie. I don't think he makes the list. I never saw Annabelle, so... Yeah, me neither. I liked this movie more than I thought it would, and I love The Ferryman, but yeah, I, I don't mind if it gets cut. Yeah. All right, The Red Hallway and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, I think arguably the best scene in the movie. Doesn't make the list. I really like this scene, and um, this is the scene with the the woman, right? I yeah, forget her pale, name. The, the, pale the pale lady. Yeah. Pale lady. Oh, yeah, this is a really striking scene. And otherwise, like, okay uh, horror film. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I I don't know if I would argue for top 50. I'd probably put it in discussion for now because I, I think it's a really striking moment. But what does everyone else think? Chris, I know you like this movie too. Um, it's I'd be fine cutting it, honestly, even though I... I I, I would say cut it just because I feel like everything else on the list maybe deserves. I don't know. This is hard. I'm tired, guys. Let's cut it. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. But at this point, I'm looking at what's in discussion right now. I'm not so sure it's going to make it that far. We have Gus the Theater Cat still. <laughs> I would argue, yeah. Gus, Gus, Gus. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting it in three, two, one. All right, here's the horror movie moment that I've been waiting to try to sell you guys on, and that is a flare reveals a monster in Sweetheart. The movie's now on Netflix. It was really dumped last year. This is J.D. Dillard's uh, monster movie about Kiersey Clemens alone on an island with a monster. And early in the movie, she, she starts seeing signs that she's not alone. And, like, one night, she, there's a plane flying overhead. She shoots a flare. The flare spirals into the air and falls into the water. And as it falls into the water... It illuminates a silhouette of a giant sea monster standing about 50, 50 feet offshore. And it's one of the most startling, stunning monster reveals I've ever seen. The rest of the movie is good. It's a very good movie. But this is a incredible shot and one of the greatest re- monster scenes I've seen ever. I think it belongs on Top 50. But only <laughs> if I have someone else's support, damn it. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen Sweetheart movie. yet. So oh boy. here's the thing, Jacob. I actually did not like Sweetheart as a movie, but that moment sort of shocked me so much. And I was like, holy shit, that is so well staged. And it's just, it's a perfect moment in a movie that I didn't really care for that much. So I think in the spirit of this list, I have to, I have to back you. I have to agree with this. Uh, Chris, you've seen Sweetheart, right? Yeah, uh, I, I support this. That is a great moment in the, in, in the film. It's probably, it is the best moment in that entire movie, so yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to put Sweetheart on our list. Uh, Brad, you're a Rocketman fan, right? Yes. Uh, this I think I added this, but do you agree that um, the Rocketman number, when he sings Rocketman, while he's like trying to commit suicide and goes to the hospital and slopped out on the stage again, is probably the best scene in the movie? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. You think it's top fifty? That I'm not too sure of because I I, uh, I do like Rocket Man a lot, but it's not a movie that I felt you know uh, like resonated with me enough to put it in a, a list like this. So yeah, I I don't think hot, so. Hot take: I actually liked the the Honky Cat number better in Rocket Man. <laughs> I think it was more fun. 
Um, but I, I do think that this uh, no, this sequence does like hit hard because of just like the recognizability of the song and also his suicide attempt. Um, I Is don't it top know. 50 though? I don't know if it's top 50. I like. I wish there was some Rocket Man representation because it is a much better biopic than uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is, and I feel kind of bad that it just like fell by the wayside. But uh, uh, I don't. I don't think it's top fifty. Yeah, I, I like it a lot, but let's, let's let's cut this. All right, we have two Spider-Man Far From Home scenes here. Spider-Man gets trapped in Mysterio's illusions, and the first post-credit scene, aka uh, bringing back uh, J.K. Simmons, is uh, Jameson. I like them both, but I think we can cut them. Cut both of them. I don't think we can cut both of them. I don't know. I, I I think I like Spider-Man Far From Home more than most. And I think just I love the inclusion of Mysterio as a villain because it digs into such a uh, so much of a weirder area of Spider-Man's comic book lore than we've seen before, and it gets it allows them to do things that we haven't really seen much in any any Spider-Man iteration, which is saying a lot since we've seen so many fucking Spider-Man movies. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, if we're going to cut one, I would rather cut the Spider-Man gets trapped in mysterious illusions because while I think that scene was cool, um, I don't think it's 50 best moments scene. And I think that it, it does like play with the fight scene in a way and the Marvel fight scene in a way that's really unique. Um, but we do get some, some, some more like visually compelling stuff like that in Dr. Strange a couple of years prior. So, yeah, um, I was I was actually thinking the same thing, and I think what I like about this this the first post credit scene in Spider Man Far From Home is that not only was it a cool surprise to have that happen, but it also introduces something that that they haven't done yet in Spider Man, which is threatening to reveal Spider Man's secret identity. Uh, they haven't done that in the movies yet, and I think that that's very cool. All right, let's cut Mysterious Illusions. That doesn't seem to have very much support. Um. Let's move the first post-credit scene to in discussion. I'm not prepared to add the top 50, but I'm not prepared to cut it yet either after that. All right, HT, Shazam family. All right. I think I'm the only one who likes Shazam as much as I did. I think it was such a nice throwback to uh, both the early 2000s superhero movies and that sort of Sam Raimi camp, as well as the sincerity of just old school superhero movies in general. And I really love this moment at the end because it... Uh, plays up so it builds up so well the uh, foster family that surrounds Billy Batson and makes him not makes them not only his support system but part of his superhero fighting team and when they all just transform and they feel the joy of having those powers and you see um, I think Adrian Brody's character uh, that was played by Ooh, what's that kid's name but he was disabled at first and then he has the joy of being able to be, to walk and fly um, or rather run fast. It's just it's so joyful. It's such a joyous moment. And um, it's so fun and, and a little bit silly, but I think it's just a, such a fantastic little lovely moment. Yeah, I agree that it's lovely. Uh, I, I like it for the most part. I have some issues with it that I've written about on the site that I won't bring mm-hmm. up here. Uh, but I'm okay moving it up to in discussion. I think there's things remaining on our bottom list here that I'd rather cut first. Okay. But I feel, I feel like Ben... Does That's not fine. Like you can put it in a discussion because I am confident that it's not going to make the final list anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, wow. you Okay, uh, Hidden Life. Who's seen it? That was me. I added right. this scene. Um, 
I was really moved by A Hidden Life. It, I actually haven't seen a lot of Terrence Malick films, and I do need to remedy that, but this was the first of his films that I felt really moved by and uh, just really entranced by, and I, uh, this is a film that just um, captures this this uh, feeling of spirituality in a way that I haven't felt, felt in a lot of films. And um, this is the refusal to pledge scene, and this is when the main character, um, having decided that the the Nazis are evil and that he do, he will, even though he's been drafted to fight for them, he will refuse to pledge um, his loyalty to Hitler, and his conviction in that and um, and uh, refusal to bend his will is just so powerful. I don't think it'll make the cut because I don't think anyone else here has seen a Hidden Life. Uh, Chris has seen it. So. Yes, I have. But go ahead and cut it. <laughs> okay. Are, are, are you I sure? I to cut it. Yeah. Uh, this is a moment that I felt really, really powerful to me, but I don't think there are enough people here to support it. And It's a I great movie, and I, I love this scene. But, but... If, if you two both think it's top 50, then we can talk about it. I seem to make if both of you think that. We, we Just let me know. Uh, if you want it on there, HT, I'll back you up. I'll, I'll cut it. Okay. If that's... Not enough support. I'm cutting it. Uh, HT Shadow is one of the coolest yeah. movies of the year. I've never seen what it looks like it before. It is, it is not good enough to make this list. Oh, but this is such an awesome moment. I just gotta say this. I maybe he won't make the list, but I just want to give a shout out to it because this is a such. Maybe it's because this is the most anime moment I, moment I've seen in a live action film. But this is Shadow, which is Zheng Yimou's. Um, most recent wuxia film. And this is basically Zheng, Zheng Yimou looking at um, the uh, the concept of yin and yang and being like, how am I going to make an entire movie out of that? And it's so beautifully shot and blocked and it has, it's, a, it's films almost entirely monochromatic, black and white colors. Um, and yet it's one of the most striking films I've seen this year or this past year. And uh, this is a moment where um, after several months long a long time of training with umbrellas as sort of a defensive move against um this opponent's spears uh this the main character reveals that his umbrellas are actually made entirely out of daggers and he just when he unveiled these daggers just come out in this beautiful spiral and it's insane and gorgeous and then there's a giant dagger fight with like with the umbrellas that everyone unveils, all of their their dagger umbrellas, and it's so awesome. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give a right. shout out to it. All Anyone right. else seen Shadow? All right, here's my I thing. Have... Oh, Christine, okay, go ahead, Chris. I'm not, no, I'm, I'm just saying I saw it. Oh, this is a cool yeah. moment, but I don't know if I would count it in the top 50. Yeah, all I guess right. my thing is, I saw Fantastic Fest oh, oh, maybe two years ago now, and this is such a cool looking movie. Um, but then again, here's the thing. I, was, I argued the art of self-defense on this list even though the only person who's seen the damn movie. And HG seems very, very excited by these dagger umbrellas. <laughs> so cool. If, if I'm being I'm being won over by your enthusiasm here, damn it. Um because we often don't have a we don't have a lot of foreign films on this list and we we should probably fix that. I feel really guilty and bad. But anyone she, be opposed to the dagger I mean, it umbrellas. Sounds pretty awesome. No. I'm excited to watch this movie. Yeah. So Oh goodness! See, I would, I would, <clears throat> if we did that, I would feel even more bad for Peter since he did take the time to write something for Rise of Skywalker, and we didn't heed his passion for it, even though he was the only one who was as passionate. 
that thing he wrote was for like a piece though right he didn't write that just for this yeah it's a piece from an article he's writing but yeah but he but he did take the time to make sure that his voice was heard in that capacity yeah i do feel kind of bad i think we should include a rise of skywalker scene because he loves it so much and if he were here he would definitely be arguing for it all right so hd uh yeah you're on shadow i'll leave i'll leave it in your hands umbrellas made of daggers Please. Okay. All right, I'm putting a shadow into our top 50, guys. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are you apologizing? It's a great moment. Yeah. All right, Claus tells the story, and Claus, we're back here. Does this make the list? Brad seems to be the only one who's willing to fight for it, I think, at this point. Oh, yeah, just, just, I'll just go <laughs> kill myself. <laughs> you know what's actually funny is that I would have uh, thrown my support more behind the. Um, I got to see my friend again moment. Oh. <laughs> can we switch it? If we want to include a moment from Claus, we can just, because uh, we have then three yeah. people supporting that moment. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Brad? Sure. All right, so I get to see my friend again in Claus. Is this top 50 or in discussion? Pro- probably think... in discussion, since there's a lot of in discussion. I don't know. All right, we're almost through this list. Let's keep going. Putting it in discussion. Ad Astra, we're all we've got. Who uh, here? Yeah, Chris? I added that. Cut it. It's fine. It's a good moment, but uh, we don't need it, so cut it. Speaking of cuts, taking one for the team and fire the greatest party that never happened. Uh, does this make the list? This is a <gasps> hilarious moment. I feel like this is one that also sort of seeped through pop culture, too. I don't know who nominated it, but um, this I, is... Because initially I forgot that that movie even came out this year. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that was this year. And that moment was quite shocking and like was has become a meme, went viral, and was a big thing. Yeah, this is the scene where uh, one of the organizers behind FIRE, I can't remember his name, uh, was talking about how they were trying to get water, I think, for the festival. And he was going to go to the office of one of the officials. And he said, well, I went down to the office, fully prepared to suck his cock. And um, so that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Andy that King, was, prepared, prepared Andy to King. give blowjobs for bottled for water. water for, for a festival uh, that wasn't going to happen. Uh, here's the truth about this one. I never watched this fire doc. I watched the other fire doc, but I saw the memes. This one was everywhere. So if you guys feel that the moment is as good as the meme, it's top 50 material based purely on, on the fact that it was the thing everybody talked about. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it seems like it, it made such an impact. It kind of should be on there. Okay. Top 50 it is. All right, we have two left in our bottom list, guys. Um, Ted Bundy reveals how he killed women and extremely wicked, shockingly vile, shocking evil and vile. I did not well, see just, this. Just, just the one woman. I, I'm the one who added this. And it's. I think this the scene is particularly chilling because it's the one time when he admits to doing something wrong and he it's done in such a creepy way it's very unsettling um i'm not sure it's top 50 but i i put it on here because i thought it was a uh what's my favorite moment in the movie yeah chris you saw this too right yeah this scene is is really good and it's really well done and and spooky and uh but yeah i don't know if it belongs on the list or not all right i'm gonna see much support so i'm cutting it all right last one at the bottom of the list born the run and blinded by the light uh i know that brad is the biggest booster of this film on the site yeah, this movie is great, and this um, it's it's one of two scenes where it feels like this movie really could have gone full full musical. It's 
the main character, uh, Javed, and his friend, they break into the high school radio station to play a Bruce Springsteen song after the, the kid who runs it turns them down. And so they blast Born to Run, and they start running through the halls, like, singing along with it, and running to the soccer field. And it's just, it's this big, joyous, uh, fun mu- musical moment. And as somebody who doesn't even really like Bruce Springsteen all that much, not that I dislike him, it was just such a, an uplifting scene that I, I loved it. All right, anyone else like this scene? I saw Blinded by the Light, and I enjoyed this scene. I do think that it's strongest when it's being a musical, and this scene is very like, musical-esque, especially when they all start running down the streets singing Born to Run. Um, I don't think it's top 50 material. Brad, do you it's disagree? It's fine. It, it's fine. You can you can cut it. Just just uh, just people out there, make sure you see Blinded by the Light. All right, that's fair. Okay, guys, we're almost there. We're, it's been a very long road. We have 13 slots left. We have our final in-discussion list of, um, let's see how many we have to fill these 13 slots. Um, all right, 29. So we need to... All right, just go ahead and cut the goddamn Gus song. I, I made my point. <laughs> uh, I, I, cut it. Cut it out. We should also cut the porn on the Uber radio and Booksmart. It's funny, but it's, it's, at this point, they can't make this list. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I will cut Hands Across America and Us. Us is on the list. Clearly, I don't have the support for this one. <laughs> Fuck all of you. It's gone. Um, all right. Peanut Butter Falcon. Brad, do uh, at this point, I don't think either of these scenes make the list. That's so... Oh, man. I don't know. I just like that, but I, I suppose I, I understand. I, I feel like... Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff that's still on this list that I really like. How many do we have left? Uh, like 12? 20, we have 13 more slots left to fill. One, two, three, four... Yeah, 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 I guess. I guess so. Okay. I feel really bad. Peter Falcon is very, very good, uh, so you should definitely see it. Okay, the two scenes of perfection. Time rewinds to the final shot of perfection. I think both of these are great moments. I think one should be on the final list, and I'll fight for one for the final list. I'll, I'll back whatever one has the most support. Uh, Jacob, I think you're the biggest champion. Which one would you prefer to be on the list? Uh... Goodness, uh, they're both are so different. The time rewind sequence um, after the hand is chopped off is such a, a startling moment where you realize that you think you're watching one movie and suddenly you realize you're watching a completely different and it's a, an incredible stylistic choice. Uh, the final shot where both women uh, having lost limbs are playing together um, on one instrument is j- just a... It's the most South Korean shot in American film history <laughs> and I love it so much. Uh, but I would back the rewind scene because... Uh, nothing pulled the rug out from under me quite like that uh, in any film released this year or last year. Yeah, I say the rewind scene is what belongs. I'll back that. I like this the movie most. a lot, so I, I want to see it on the list. I'm fine with the time rewind scene too. Okay. And it sounds like Jacob, from what we were talking about earlier, I, I didn't really think there was much support on this uh, podcast for the death of Dick Long, but it seems like we've already sort of said our piece enough where I feel like maybe we could just move how he died up onto the list. What do you think about that? It is one of the most surprising scenes of 2019. It has no right to work. It should not work. It is so good. I haven't seen it, so I just, I can't put my, say my piece about it. I don't know. I I guess it's a, it's a film that if I described the plot to you, like I kind of said earlier, if I described the plot, described the character, described the situation, you would think, oh, that's trash. That's like um, making fun of rednecks. That's making fun of the South. 
but it ends up being like this such a sincere, bizarre, off kilter like love letter to the South about something horrible that happened in the South. And it, it, it's made by a director who's from Alabama and he wanted to like make a purely Alabama movie and for better or worse, this movie is seen in this movie is nothing there's never been a better depiction of the American South than this friggin' movie in this really, really shocking sequence. Uh Ah, oh, man. I don't... It's really, really good. Is there anybody who thinks it shouldn't... Like, actively thinks it should not be in there? Hmm. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen the movie, so I... But I did just look it up on Wikipedia, and now I know what happens. Well, uh, <laughs> Jacob, I guess that means you, me, and Brad are, are in support of it, so I don't know if, like, we're just playing a numbers game here or what, but what do you think? I'm, I'm going to put it into the top 50, because... Because I have the power. You know, I'm I'm thinking now about how I feel kind of bad that we put some of our passion ones on this and like not everyone's not entirely on board. And I think that maybe we should put a Star Wars Rise of Skywalker scene on here for Peter because he is, you know. Put the put the <laughs> damn lightsaber swap. I've said yeah. that like several times. It's cool. Oh, I actually didn't even realize that there wasn't a single Star Wars scene on here. Yeah, we def- we we do need we to have put one, one on. Here. Yeah, let's or just put the lightsaber it. pass on. Jacob, are you doing it? It's the only only, the thing is, Jacob, even if you hate the movie, which I I think I do, I think I actively hate this movie, um that that moment is still like genuinely thrilling and cool, and it's doing something that you've never I mean, you've seen it before, like the seeds have been planted. It's one of the few parts of this movie that is actually seeded and paid off in a satisfying fashion. All right. In that case, let's balance out the taste of that scene with the um, the coffee table scene in Parasite. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that scene. I think of the remaining Parasite scenes, it is the most powerful, the most relevant, the one that sticks with me because it, it goes straight from being a Hitchcockian thriller to being something truly heart-wrenching. As it, is, it stops being a question of, oh, will he be found, to a question of, oh, how will he recover from hearing this said about him? I wonder if you can combine the under the coffee table with the apartment flood because it happens immediately after and it continues upon the the details that we pick up in the coffee table scene. There's such separate set pieces though, it's my only yeah, concern. That's true. I, I just realized we don't even have the birthday bloodbath in here. It's it's great, but these other scenes are better. So All right. Coffee, coffee table. table. Coffee table. Coffee table. Coffee table. All right. Um Let's look, at some, let's look at what's going to happen in Hollywood here. We have self five here. I think Sharon Tate goes to the movies. Uh, I think Chris's passion for it has me won over. That's the one I would, of, of everything on the list of that movie, that's the one I would I would fight the hardest for. Even though I love the FBI scene, it's it's very funny. But How about Sharon Tate goes to the movies and FBI both make the list? I'm fine with that. but I'm fine with that, too. I I mean, I am lukewarm on the Sharon Tate scene. I'll, I don't hate it, so I'm fine with it being on the scene. But I really, really would love the Rick and Cliff watch FBI scene because that's just the movie Jacob, I want. Jacob, if we all... do that, does it mean that we delete the rest of them? Yes, I think so. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that, too. Brad? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. One Time in Hollywood officially has three scenes on this list, and I, I really, really hate they were losing Rick Dalton breaking down in his trailer, but something's got to happen here. Okay. We have seven more slots, guys. Seven more slots and, I think, 15 more movies? 
Um, let's see. Uh, go ahead and cut Dragon Across Concrete, even though I love it, but I feel like since no one else has seen it and just cut it. I talked about it. That's enough. That's good enough. I think we need one scene from Climax. Yeah, um, I agree. And, okay. Um, I am going to go for the opening dance number again. I'm going to go for the camera turns up to down again. <laughs> I still haven't seen this movie, so I can't be a tiebreaker. Chris can be a tiebreaker there. Oh, yeah, I vote for the, the opening. What if we add both? <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, you power-hungry madman, you. When I first saw Climax, the first thing I did after I saw it was open up our Slack and, and type, guys, Climax can, could fill our entire list of top 50 moments for next year. And <laughs> I remember that, but I did write that. So I, I'm i putting the opening dance number near our top 50. I'm not going to delete the camera turns up to down just yet. <laughs> All right. How about... Right. I'm going to cut oh. the Shazam family in Shazam. Are you sure? You know what, Ben? HT, you have I my support. For about... the... Oh, you do? Yeah, you have my support for the Shazam family. I think that's an incredible moment, and it's, it's, it is just a great throwback to old-style, you know... Uh, adventure family adventure movies and yeah I, I think that moment should be on here okay yeah found families becoming the real family and then becoming your superhero family <laughs> they're all skywalkers <laughs> shazam does it better just put it on the list jacob that's fine yay have five left all right guys um looking at this seriously looking at the list of what's left the best scene remaining in this batch is John Wick fights the raid guys in John Wick 3. I mean, I would argue that the ending of Parasite is is more impactful than that. I would argue the the fish scene in, in uh, the Irishman is better, but that's I love me. all these scenes, about all of them. Yeah, how about we add the fish scene, John Wick fights the raid guys, and the ending of Parasite. Yeah, that's fine. I like, I, yeah. I Brad, what do you think? Yeah. I would argue that Woody says goodbye in Toy Story is better than Maybe all of we... the scenes. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh... I want to put a word in for the final moment of Parasite because I think Peter has uh, has crit- criticized it before, and I want to say why it's so good. Um, the final moments of Parasite take place when uh, the Kim son is uh, reading a letter uh, from his father uh, who is underneath the stairs, uh, underneath in the in the part, business ah, in the basement mm-hmm. underneath the stairs of the of the rich house and he writes a letter back to him saying that he will be will, wealthy enough to buy that house and so one day he can just his father can just walk up the stairs and walk into the light and they can be happy again and then this camera pans down from the window of the semi basement down to where the son is writing the letter and you see that all of his dreams are above ground and it goes back down to reality and it's such a wrenching moment that at first reads as ambiguous because you don't know if that actually plays out because you see it play out but then it turns out to be just a fantasy that will never come true and it is such a gut punch and I just want to say yeah. I love that scene yeah. all right we have two slots left, guys, in nine movies. Nine <laughs> moments. Tai Chi and the Farewell. Farewell is great. And there are, I think it's, how many times? Is it on our list twice yet? I think just It's only on our, so far, on our list yeah. once. In that case, I am all for Tai Chi making the list. It's a really, really wonderful thing. 
it comes full circle too because you see Billy learning uh, Tai Chi from her Nai Nai and uh, they're they're doing in this moment of just it's so wholesome and happy and such a, a, a moment of family bonding but there is that undercurrent of melancholy to it and then at the end when she's back in New York she does the same Tai Chi move and it's left sort of ambiguous as to whether this Tai Chi actually has some sort of magical power to it or anything or if it has any sort of holistic healing properties but it just feels like she has taken on whatever lessons she's learned from her Chinese family and um, maybe not incorporate into her life but come around to it a little more I love the farewell I'm cool with this go for it yeah yay alright guys last slot Hmm. We have Parasite, John Wick 3, Climax, Parasite, Don't Matter the Name, Toy Story 4, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Claws. I think you can <sighs> scrap the two Parasites, don't you think? Because we have so much represent At yeah. this point, yeah. yeah. At this point, yeah, let's do it. You can scrap Claws, too. I won't fight for it anymore. It's I love that movie, and I think it's better than people are giving it uh, credit for, but yeah. We all, yeah. Also, we have, we have John Wick 3 on, on the list twice, so I'm going to cut the dogs join the fight. Yeah. All right, Climax is on the list as well. And I, at this point, I'd rather get I, another movie on the list. I would say, Den, yeah, I was going to say do Dolomite just because yeah. I don't have anything from I, that movie on the yeah. list. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Remaining three, I think Dolomite's the best. Yeah, it's uh, such a. We passion. also don't have anything from Post Story Four, but I think the Dolomite movie making montage is better. Yeah, and there's such a passion for filmmaking in Dolomite that I think it's a perfect way to cap off this list. Guys, we, we did, did it! it. <laughs> Yay! All right. Oh no, Ben forgot to oh, record geez. this. Wow. What? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is recording. Thank God. So. Wow. Well. All right. Those of you listening at home, we're now going to take this top fifty. You can hear my dogs barking a bit. I apologize. Uh, take this top fifty. We'll vote on it uh, offline, and a ranked list will run on Slash Film hopefully later this week. But you know, this was uh, arduous, but I think this is a reminder that. Every moment we cut was a, was a good moment. This was a good year for movies, guys. I agree. Yeah. 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 All right. So I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. This podcast is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send us your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget also to rate and review the podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a quick rating. It really helps us out a lot in terms of visibility and all that stuff. Tell your friends, spread the word about the show. You can find all of our writing at slashfilm.com. You can find us on Twitter. We've been recording too long to go individually, so just track us down as you will. Let us know what you think about this list. And uh, stay tuned to slashfilm.com for the full list as soon as it's published. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.